All right, guys, before we get into this episode, I'm going to announce a quick contest because something unique happened in this episode of Comic Timing, and I want to see who can sniff it out. I want to see who will be able to figure this one out. Something happened in this episode that I've never, ever, ever had to do before with an episode. If you can figure out what makes this episode unique, I will go ahead and give you a $10 Comixology gift certificate. Good for any comics you want. 10 bucks on me to spend at Comixology. If you can figure out what makes episode 185 of Comic Timing so damn unique... And a hint, it is not the fact that Brandon switches the phone at the end of the episode. I'm throwing that out there now. That is not what I'm talking about. It was something else. See if you can figure it out. And if you can, enjoy the comics on me. On with the episode. Comic Timing is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Network. Bitch. <laughs> Print it. Welcome to episode 185 of Comic Timing, a comics podcast devoted to the average comic book fan from the average comic book fan. Join in as Brent Casino, rotating panel of guests, and myself, Ian Levison, discuss whatever comes to mind time after time here on Comic Timing. We say farewell to the trash fire that was 2016 at the beginning of 2017. We're going to give our best and worst of the previous year right as this new year begins with a returning guest at our side. Here now, Comic Timing. Hey there folks, my name is Ian Levinstein and welcome to episode 185 of Comic Timing. Oh Lang Syne, Brett Casina, oh Lang Syne. I promise not to fall asleep this time. Oh, 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 oh you say that now. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to go to work tomorrow. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, so do so do I. So do I. But then again, I'm probably working from home, so you know that, that there's that. <laughs> First day back tomorrow. Ugh. Lucky you, sir. Lucky you. Well, at least you got today. Yeah, I did. Brandon Christopher joins us yet again. Brandon. Aloha, folks. What's going on? Not too bad. The a little bit more than regular Brandon Christopher. Not quite co-host level yet, but you've definitely been on a lot lately. Would I be the co-host, co-host, not co-host, co-host? Yeah. Time to cut him off. <laughs> <laughs> Cut him off of the limbs. Brent doesn't want competition. Don't let him walk out on his bar tab, though. <laughs> and speaking of which, a returning guest who is returning after an old episode was brought up. It was an episode where we went into all of the Batman movies. And we were doing it so long that we never even got to the movie that we wanted to talk about, which was Dark Knight, which wound up being a separate episode. And Chris was actually out of town when we were recording that one, so he didn't get a chance to go in there. But I remember him sending in a voicemail message for it. And I thought to myself, we really haven't had him on in forever. Mr. Chris Chavez, formerly known as Equinox. Chris, how are you, buddy? Welcome, and thank you so much, guys. Glad to be back. It's been too long. My pleasure. My pleasure. Oh, and Raph's here. Hey, Raph. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. I just thought about this. So uh, I think, I want to say this time 10 years ago, 
I had just gone over to your place for the first time and recorded that opening where I took over for you and then you caught me like recording or whatever that bit was. Yeah, that was 10 years ago, almost to the day. And then there was the, this is Batman thing, which, you know. My parents are dead. Yes. No, no, that was four, that was a couple months later. Oh, that God. was at CGSP. The, the, this is the Joker. That was the My Parents Are Dead episode. I was just re-listening to that. That was the episode that Chris was on. Yeah. That had me, Brent, Juan, you, Chris, and Ziggo on it. Yeah, yep. that was, I want to say Jeez. that was nine and a half years ago. God, we're old. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and I'm still doing this show, so what's my problem? <laughs> Well, it wouldn't be an episode of Comic Timing if I didn't remind you about our sponsorship, and that is DCBS, Discount Comic Service, at dcbservice.com, where you can get 50% off of Marvel and DC hardcovers and trades, as well as 40% off of Marvel and DC Image and Dark Horse single issues. I just did a really big purchase at DCBS's partner site, instocktrades.com, and I got uh, stuff like... Paper Girls Volume 2, uh, Volume 9 of uh, One Punch Man. Uh, I also got a couple of uh, Christmas gifts along the way as well, or Chanaka, if you will. And don't forget that at DCBS, you can use their Comixology storefront to save an additional bit of cheddar on your physical purchase. Every single Comixology purchase you make through their storefront, you can then put back towards an order with DCBS. Discount Comic Service over at DCBService.com and in stock trades at InStockTrades.com. We thank them for their sponsorship. So the ship piles over, gentlemen. 2016's done. Oh, we're alive. It's just begun. Woohoo! <laughs> well, we roll ourselves into 2017, and uh, to uh, celebrate the end of 2016, I'm going to be sipping whiskey all episode. So if I get a little bit salty, that might be why. But uh, I want to start things off with uh, Chris because, well, obviously we have not heard from him in the longest out of everybody on this call. So, uh, Chris, uh, give me some of your uh, highlights in the world of geekdom. Uh, Let's see. Well, because I I suffer from short-term memory loss, long-term memory loss, I'll have to go with the most recent uh, Rogue One, Doctor Strange. Loved them both. Great way to to end out uh, the year. But also, uh, Captain America, Civil War. Loved it, loved it, loved it. It's way up there, if not at the, the top of my overall Marvel Comics uh, movies. My personal favorite always still has to, to go back to, to Batman Begins. But on, on the Marvel side of things, I think that uh, Civil War, pretty, pretty damn well near a, a perfect movie uh, end-to-end. Absolutely. And, I, I mean, who, who would have expected it to be on Netflix as fast as it is? I know, yeah. right? Yeah. Net, you know what? Netflix has been making some some real baller moves from Stranger Things. Um, I've got the O, what is it, the OA in my uh, Regine to watch no, this. No, it's the OA. Come on. The OA? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. As a geek, yeah, you have no, to no. say the OA. And I swear to God, if there's not somebody named Kyle on that show, I quit. You <laughs> are <laughs> the chosen one. But yeah, um, I mean, just just overall, in, you know, in, in print, personally, I've got to give it up for, for DC. Uh, this year as far as kind of getting the the ship uh, set straight with the the whole DC rebirth. Uh, I've really been enjoying which way those books have have been going uh, over the year. And it's kind of actually moved those guys up to the the top of my uh, to read pile, uh, even ahead of Image and uh, Dark Horse and, and, and Marvel. 
really huge year for DC and print. I mean, some major changes and and definitely getting uh, people interested in their line of books uh, for the first time in a while. I mean, Brent, uh, obviously, you never really uh, lost full interest in DC's books, but uh, you're cer- you've certainly been impressed with a lot of what uh, they've been putting out with Rebirth, right? Yeah, I was a little upset reading some of the top 10 lists from different sites and luminaries and shit. And it seemed like DC wasn't getting any love at all. Like, you know, they gave Tom King a lot of love for his non-DC stuff, but his Batman book has been pretty much phenomenal compared to what you thought, you know, whatever crap might have followed Snyder had they not done Rebirth. And there's a bunch of other great DC books, like the Superman book is great, Action Comics is great, Detective yeah. Comics is pretty good. What was the other one I was just thinking about that I forgot off right now? Uh, Trinity's not too me. bad. Uh, I haven't finished up Trinity or haven't caught up or anything. Wonder Woman's okay. I think the thing that Wonder Woman that throws me off is that the dual storylines don't quite mesh as well as one would hope. Um, Justice League is, is pretty good. It's action-packed. Harley Quinn, her black book. Harley Quinn's, or Harley's little black book. Yeah, that's yeah, That's, that's yeah, been an enjoyable read. Green Lantern's, the Green Lantern book's been, Flash is the one I was thinking of. Flash, for, for me, I think has been the one truly big, pleasing surprise, because I, I don't think I've enjoyed a Flash book since Manipole got off the New 52. I haven't enjoyed anything that came after mm-hmm. him, unfortunately. But the way that they did, like, the Speed Force Storm and everything like that, it's just been really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I decided a little while back, uh, more than a year ago, that I would stop reading DC Comics because DC's New 52 really wasn't doing it for me. And what, what DC Rebirth has done is brought me back because more than anything else, they remembered that legacy exists It was one of the greatest things that DC had going for it was the fact that their heroes had been around since the golden age of comics and that this was the third or fourth iteration of these heroes to be around. And and now they seem to be remembering that. I mean, Justice Society of America is coming back. Legion of Superheroes is coming back. We have a Superman that isn't just a dick, you know? We have one that's actually been around for a while. Batman has legacy again. Flash has legacy again. Uh, Kid Flash, the original Wally West is back. We've got multiple Green Lanterns running around. I mean, we had multiple Green Lanterns in New 52, but uh, more, even more so now than we did then. I feel like they're, they're, they're remembering the past a lot more. And as long as DC continues to do that, while at the same time innovating with their books... I'm going to continue reading DC Comics. And absolutely, Rebirth was a step in the right direction for that. Oh, yeah. So um, I never gave them a DC. I, I kind of just picked up the titles I always pick up. But um, DC has really stepped up their game. I mean, I think uh, Dan DiDio finally caught on to the lesson of if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. But learn the lessons from your previous mistakes because this is the what, sixth reboot of the DC Universe that he's overseen in his time there? Hey, uh, what are you talking about? They're not reboots. Next question. <laughs> well, I mean, like, he finally got it. Like, you have, there has to be a synergy of new stuff along with what got you to the dance. I mean, and you know, in some ways, maybe you did need the new 52 to be what it was in order to get this appreciation, but I don't really think so. Uh, on the other hand, though, 
you know, as much as I love DC, I also I'm 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 not a, a DC or Marvel guy. I've I've pretty much become very fifty fifty with them. But this year is honestly the worst year Marvel's had, I think, in my adult life. Two thousand two to now. I don't think I think Marvel's been number one hands down for pretty much the entire time. And I don't remember there being such a an awkward creative time for Marvel like this. Because, you know, Miss Marvel's great, Captain Marvel's great, uh, you know, all the all the ancillary titles, all the, the minor characters, the characters they experiment on are doing fine. I think total I love Totally Awesome Hulk. I love um, I love all these other titles. But the mainline titles have not been that great. Do you think any of that might have to do with kind of some of the I don't know, creative or editorial decisions to kind of maybe put the mutants off to the wayside and kind of focus on the inhumans? I think so because as okay, so I was always I always enjoyed the Inhumans, but I the Inhumans have never had this much of a spotlight on them, and yeah. when you and they don't warrant put, it, yeah, exactly, exactly. Now that we've seen them in the spotlight, we're starting to see all the warts. It's like oh well, you can only kind of do this much with this character, and like Black Bolt's very limited. Medusa is, n- I mean, she's only so compelling i i mean i get it she's the queen of the inhumans and she has all this responsibility and blah 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 but it doesn't capture me as much as um like the i guess the x-men equivalent would be like i don't know storm or gene uh gene's dead but i mean they brought gene back and and gene has a more compelling story because she's trying to deal with the legacy of that she's going to leave behind for herself and storm i mean storm's history is incredible like she the x-men are established characters they've had this long protracted history in the spotlight and you know it's really hard to do that with a a set of characters that you haven't done it with before and i I get being open-minded about it trying to be open-minded about it but it just hasn't worked it just hasn't worked and the avengers series i mean i love mark wade mark wade's one of my favorite writers all new all different avengers was probably the most uninteresting avengers series i've read um since bendis took over yeah i'm just not drawn to it yeah, you know what I mean? See, like, oh, I, I, I agree, and I, I think, you know, like with uh, what you're saying as far as uh, the Inhumans, to me, Medusa as a character, she worked better when she was a a member of a group. I think like an A Force than when she was a, the central focus, like in what Uncanny Inhumans and and you know the other other series. And then on the Avengers side of things, I I agree with you on the Avengers book. I also thought that uncanny avengers was also way uneven i think it got off to a decent start initially but then i think it just really dropped off well uh two things that happened in uh, 2016 that i think are going to have huge ramifications on both the x-men and the humans in 2017 Uh, one of which uh, the announcement that they're going to be doing this whole resurrection event with the X-Men to try and uh, revitalize the the, uh, the line along the lines of what DC did with Rebirth, uh, bringing back titles like uh, Generation X and uh, the X-Men Blue and Gold teams and Cable and uh, Weapon X and stuff like that uh, to try and, uh, I guess, you know, bring the X-Men back to the forefront after being gone for as long as they have. And uh, the other big announcement is that uh, the Inhumans 
are no longer going to be a movie franchise. Uh, they, they decided against that, and instead it's going to be a TV show, uh, which, uh, which to me signals the humans are definitely going to be taking a bit of a step back uh, in the uh, Marvel Universe. Uh, and I, I mean, pr- that's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. So it's funny because I just, I've been thinking about this as we were talking, but I feel like if you take DC and Marvel's positions 10 years ago and flip-flopped them, that's what we have today. Because mm-hmm. let's look at uh, Marvel 10 years ago. J- JMS was on Spider-Man. Spider-Man was in a relationship with Mary Jane, married, you know, doing like they were, I think, you know, they were trying to have like a, a settled like family life. I think there was talk about having another kid, you know, post-Clone Saga. Look where Superman is. Married, again, has a kid. One of the most compelling storylines for Superman is him teaching John to use his powers. I love that story. I love the Superman book. And, and that's a compelling story in now, in, you know, in a day and age where people have said multiple times, oh, when, you, when, you, when a character gets married, it could, they get boring. Not true. Superman's really good. Uh, and on the other hand, Marvel is the one exper- experimenting with legacy characters. Riri Williams, Miss Marvel, a totally awesome Hulk. You look at what DC did 10 years ago. Jaime Reyes, um, Firestorm, uh, The Atom, Ryan Choi. It's an interesting thing. Like it, it is, everything is cyclical, and now we're hitting that point where Marvel's kind of like not on such sure footing, even though they make seven hundred billion dollars an hour on all those movies. Yeah, but the comics themselves are weak, are, are are weakening. They're not terrible. I'm not. I hope you know Marvel doesn't send something to break my legs, but like they're not at the same point they were you know the past couple of years. They're just not a, in a, as strong as position. Whereas DC is finally figuring out what to do right, and they're doing it. As opposed to listening to Dan DiDio and killing off Nightwing again. God, what a jerk. God, it's been like at least seven times now they try to kill off Nightwing. I mean, come on, man. Dude. Well, I don't want to yeah. give you know Dan DiDio or Jeff Johns too much credit, or Jim Lee for that matter, because these were the, you know, the architects of the New 52. And I know at least listening to, I think, Tom King talk or somebody talking about how they – Gend up this rebirth title was basically him and Jeff Johns sitting in a room with a giant whiteboard. Um, maybe it was the writer detective James Tynan the fourth or whatever. You know, those guys are the ones who did the new 52 and sent it in that wrong direction. So I don't want to give them too much credit. I'd rather credit the them giving the writers the leeway to tell good stories as opposed right, to the editorial out mandate. The yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's what the main point is. They stepped out of the way, which which was a good idea. Right. Uh, let's get uh, Brandon in on this. Uh, thoughts on Rebirth, and uh, if you want to touch on Marvel, too. All right. Well, unfortunately, I'm kind of in the odd situation where I don't have it enough time anymore to read as much as I was. Mm-hmm. So I'm more of a trade waiter now. So, I mean, I'm reading a couple things here and there, but most of my books are things like uh, Power Fist and Iron Man, which are books that are going to probably more appeal to me, and more of the image books, again, like Chew or... Um, Rat Queen or Saga, things like things like that, where I'm not really reading the big two anymore right. as much because you know my tastes have evolved past that now for some for some regards. Yeah, and I mean I'm really waiting on now just for the trade for the Black Panther book. Uh, that seems to be the book that's going going to get uh, at least garner a lot of attention coming soon, at least with the movie coming up within the next year or so. Yeah, and I think issue three of that is now on Unlimited, so I'm going to start uh, catching up on issues that I missed of that. I mean, uh, so, so unfortunately, even even with Rebirth and the, the things I'm hearing about, uh, the good things I'm hearing about it, especially with the what, the new 
Superboy uh, and Robin book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still behind on those things. I'm just mostly waiting just to catch up. And that's not that's not a knock on DC or Marvel in, in any respect. Is that from where I'm at now, I don't have time to read monthlies as, as much. Well, and that's actually interesting because, I mean, listeners of the show are probably aware that uh, 2016 is the year that I stopped picking up physical single issues uh, in, in general. I mean, I, I, you know, I had a change in my life and, and I, didn't, I didn't have room for it anymore. So I just uh, I stopped my DCBS uh, purchasing a whole hog and, and went entirely into the world of uh, trade and digital. I, I, I don't do single issues anymore. I, I, I can't. I physically can't. I don't have the space for it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I mostly went digital. And, and even with digital, I found that my buying has, has dropped off significantly uh, just because of the backlog that I have. Like I'm, I'm about three or four months behind on, on my DC books right now. I just I have not bought about, uh, I say, past like maybe issue three or four of most of the DC Rebirth titles, even the ones that I was enjoying, uh, just just because of, you know, I still have plenty of stuff to read, both in single issues that I still have uh, lying around and in digital backlog uh, for Marvel stuff as well. Um, I, I was just reading, I think, up to like April of uh, 2016 of uh, the Spider-Man stuff, which I'm actually really enjoying. It's just I'm, I'm way behind on it. Uh, last issue I read was when uh, Iron Man first got into the book with uh, Mary Jane. So, uh that's that was a while ago, <laughs> and I, I I want to catch up on uh, DC stuff. I know there was a sale that I actually just missed out on uh, to, to to buy a bunch of uh, of the rebirth stuff for way cheap, and of course I forgot what day it was. And then I went to check Comicsology, and it was all gone. So uh, yeah, I kind of know about having to reprioritize your reading habits. Uh, so I, I, I think I'm in a similar place than you right now, uh, Brandon. Yeah, it, it kind of sucks because I, I went from reading anywhere between 10 to 20 books a month, sometimes maybe even like 15 books a week, depending on the, on the week, going back from like 10 years ago to this now where I'm just reading trades and then spar- now sparingly also too. It just, it just feels a little... Um, I don't want to say disingenuous, but it just feels a little uh, awkward, that's all. I, I, I do think that there's uh, this thing that's happening to everybody on this call. Uh, there's this thing called getting older. <laughs> hey, you, you kids, what do you mean? And, and, and yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's the thing is that, I mean, you know, whether we like it or not, reading habits tend to change as you get older. I mean, uh, I mean, Chris, uh, I mean, you've been married for, for quite some time now, right? Yeah, 20. 25 years this coming year. Congratulations on that one, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure you've experienced similar things where, you know, as life takes priority, uh, your reading habits have to change and uh, and similarly adjust. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, kind of kind of like what you're, you're saying, that, you know, when I was much younger, what have you, didn't have to worry about a lot of other things or, or you know, conflict as far as schedule or, you know, me time versus family time. It was a lot easier to, to pick up a lot more titles and, you know, pick them up in singles and, you know, read them as they, they came out. Whereas nowadays, you know, picking up the, the trades is, is much more appealing because you get the, the entire story, especially when, you know, stories uh, nowadays are, are what, five, six issue arcs as opposed to back when I, I mean, when I started reading comics way, I mean, way, way, way back in the day, you're talking single issue or, or two issue arcs are, were the norm. So, I mean, that wasn't a problem to pick up the singles 
back then and, and even as I, you know, got through college and, and early 20s, what have you, still picking up the singles on a regular basis wasn't a problem. But nowadays, you know, I, I much prefer to get the uh, uh, collected uh, stories so I can get a, a full, hopefully satisfying story end to end, you know, a, a full experience as opposed to having to wait one month and then, oh, to be continued. Oh, great. Now, so what's going to come up in between? Is that going to, you know, get slapped onto my, my back, uh, back reading pile or not? Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. So what trades have you been reading of late? Well, again, kind of digging back in the, the well, because in, in kind of getting with the, the whole mixed media after the, uh, the CW multi-part crossover, I picked up the trade paperback of, uh, DC's invasion from, uh, from back in the day, just so I could kind of go back to the well and see what the, the original source material that they, uh, uh, based everything on, I uh, picked up uh, the Vision uh, stories. I'm, I'm still trying to get caught up on on those because I've been hearing really. The Vision is one of my favorite comics of recent memory. Yeah, yeah. So I've been been trying to uh, get caught up on the issues for that, especially with the character uh, now part of what the new Avengers book. Yeah, uh, you know what? I'll uh, bring it back over to Brandon since you uh, mentioned uh, trades you've been reading. Uh, what have been some of your favorite trades of the year? Uh, like I said before, catching up on Chu and Saga. I think I'm a volume behind on Saga now, but I went back and, like you, I think I got the um, the Black Panther collection. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine went to New York Comic Con this year. The pre stuff. Uh, yeah, and I'm just a little bit past halfway through now. It's a meaty, meaty read, but man, is this great! This is like I, I listened to the uh, CGS episode of the retrospective of Black Panther, and you know you heard. Uh, to coin, to use a phrase uh, from Chris Everly, wax wax rhapsodically about it. Man, I mean, I don't want to say he, did, he didn't he didn't just do the book justice, but this movie better be based on the priest run because if if not, I'm going to be uh, flipping chairs in the theater. Yeah, I can definitely co-sign that. Brent's turn to speak. Uh, what are some of your uh, trades that uh, you've been reading this year that you really enjoyed? I picked up a lot of stuff through Comixology Unlimited, which at first I was a little hesitant on. There's no Marvel or DC, a lot of Image, a lot of Dark Horse, a lot of Oni Press stuff. The best thing I'd read from that service all year, um, shout out to Alex and Ada, but it definitely was Letter 44. I read the first trade of that, which is about a new president coming into office and then him learning there's alien life out there and they've got a team of astronauts and a spaceship out there already exploring what's going on. And as the new president takes office, um, shit starts to go bad. And uh, it's just really, really interesting how the, how they were exploring that. The art is great. And the uh, luckily, this is one of the few uh, where the second collection actually just hit Comixology Unlimited. So I'm looking forward to reading that uh, in the next month or two. Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully they'll add more as time goes on because, I mean, there's only so many first volumes of things you can read. Like, eventually they're going to have to add second volumes of things to Comixology Unlimited because they're just going to run out of material otherwise. Exactly. And I hope that's as they add them, they don't take away, like, volume one, you know. I'm kind of hoping they will keep going on. Like, I use uh, Amazon Prime, so... I use their Prime Music. I don't use the Unlimited shit. So they have a, a limited selection. So sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. But it's just nice that they, for a few artists, they have a majority of their albums, sometimes all of them. Yeah, I remember there was a Weezer album that I was listening to pretty regularly on there for a while. Uh, Raph, what about you, man? So this is a first. So I've been collecting 
I've been collecting comics since December of 1996. Mm-hmm. Like, like month to month, every week going to the store yeah. and just picking up books. So 20 years in a row. That covers my time at Midtown, my time at Diamond. And for the first time in 2016, which this is how you know it was a bad year in general, I built a Regina pile. I've built a eight-month Regina pile that I'm slowly working my way towards. So I, so I am through the first six issues of some of Rebirth. I only got like my main characters like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I'm going to get the rest in trades. I haven't really read all that much. I mean, I've read a lot of Valiant because Valiant is readily available to me as is Image. Yeah. So I've been reading those. But like in terms of trades... I read this really good one from Dark Horse about Nanking during World War II. Uh, I read I read One Punch Man. One Punch Man is amazing. One Punch! Yeah. Uh, I also actually, I for the first time in I don't know how long, I, I revisited Naruto. Um, I finally finished Attack on Titan. I mean, it's been more of a manga year for me, actually. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would agree with you. It has been a manga year. It's been a manga year for me, too. Not a manga year. Fuck you. Yeah. Manga. <laughs> It's manga. And also, Regina is copyright 11 o'clock comics over at 11o'clockcomics.com. I'll write a five cent check. <laughs> Glad you explained that. Please make sure to check out their new website. It's gorgeous, by the way. I love it. And uh, shout out to former co host of the show, uh, David Price. Hey, David, what's up? Uh, but yeah, no, I've been reading uh, a lot of manga this year. I-, I caught up on Food Wars, and I think I'm only two volumes behind on that right now. Uh, MYPL tends to be a little bit behind, but I'm usually the one who makes them buy those, so that I'm, I'm there kicking the pants when it comes to uh, manga sometimes. Uh, and speaking of being a kick in the pants and uh, picking up something that I've been wanting to read for a while, Brooklyn Public Library had all but the last two volumes of another cooking manga called Yakatate Japan. So I finally got off my ass and uh, and made NYPL order it. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So now NYPL has the last two volumes, and BPL has all but the last two volumes. So if you put them all together, you have one full library. Interlibrary loaning. Indeed. And they'd almost always rather buy stuff than do interlibrary loans. So that's, that's usually how you get them to do it. Yep. And let's see, what else? Uh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead, I'm, I'm still reading Walking Dead. I know a lot of people have stopped reading Walking Dead, but I I can't stop reading it. I, I still enjoy it. I, I think I'm one trade behind at this point, because uh, whenever the library gets a new trade is when I get it, and I think one just came out about a month or so ago that uh, NYPL and BPL still haven't gotten into their library system. But I, I, I read that recently, and I, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Brent, you're still reading Walking Dead, right? I'm still reading it. I am, I think, one or two issues into the Whisperer War, and I think the finale comes out. So I might be like six months, seven months behind. That's about where I'm at. <clears throat> Yeah, and I think that's about where the last trade ended, so I'm about there myself, about five or six months behind. Uh, Chris, do you still read Walking Dead? You know what? I actually dropped off at issue 100, like I think a lot of people did, because they were just so so fucking pissed off. However, I've been going back and picking up singles of uh, some of the issues right after that to kind of see if they piqued my interest. And I've, I've got, uh, I think, the, the first... What I think 101 through about 109, 110 uh, that I need to go back and read. And, and if I'm interested in those, I, I think I'll, maybe I'll uh, pick up the trades. 
I totally get why a lot of people dropped off after issue 100 uh, because, uh, and you know what, screw it, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I mean, it's, come on, it's, it's been in the show already and it was years ago now, so if I if I spoil it now and you haven't figured it out, then I think that's your own problem, but a lot of stuff changed when Glenn died um, in, in the comics. Uh, you know, the, 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 the tone changed. It, it, it was another original character that... Kirkman decided to write off, and he was a favorite character of a lot of people, so I totally understand that, but I, I think what they wound up doing with uh, the war with Negan's people that followed afterwards, and uh, and then there's a bit of a time jump after that that I really enjoyed, and I, f- I feel like it, it, it changed the, the comic, the tone of the comic in a positive way after that. Uh, it, it, was, it was very much a, a reset and a reboot in a lot of ways, um, but, but really not in a unexpected or unnecessary way. Um, I, I felt like it was a way to reinvigorate the title, and uh, it really like got my interest back. It was waning for a little bit there, and now I'm just about as interested in it as, as I ever was. I mean, which is unexpected in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I just I mean, wonder I- how far they can introduce a new group again and again and again and again. You know, I know it worked with the governor. That was fine. Negan was even worse. The whispers are just plain old weird. But I- I'm wondering, like, after this is over, I don't know What's what you next, can do. Right? Uh, like, another group is... Unless he thinks of something even more sick and disgusting or something. I don't know what you can do to add that will up the ante, so to speak, oh, and can keep we, can people we talk reading. About this real quick? Yeah, sure. So uh, when, when 100 hit, uh, what was that, six years ago, five years ago? Yeah, shit. Wow, it's been a while. It's been a while, yeah. but yeah, I remember exactly. reading that. And I mean, obviously, Glenn was one of my favorite characters, but I didn't, it didn't bother me. You know, like he died and I was relatively okay with it. Now, watching on the show, I have not watched an episode since. And I just, I just kind of like threw my hands up in the air. I don't know what it is, but like, have you guys had that experience where like, I don't know, I like, like, like Tammy still watches the show. Yeah, I'm kind of hitting it from, from the opposite side of things because I'm, I'm completely up to date on the show. And and I, I gotta say, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is the shit. I mean, yeah. Yes, the 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 series may not be may not be hitting on on all cylinders, kind of like some of the, the the previous ones have. But boy, if if nothing else, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think, is is so magnetic when he's on screen. I mean, my wife, she's she's not into the the sci-fi or the the fantasy or the comic book stuff or what have you. She cannot get enough of his character. She says, I mean, it's 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 kind of like. You know, you you're driving on the freeway and you see all the cars stop when there's a, a, a an accident or you know a wreck or what have you. It's it's like that, but kind of in a in a good way. I mean, he's just so magnetic and dynamic, and even though he's just an abhorrent piece of shit, you just can't stop watching him. <laughs> yeah, I I'd say binge it, Raph. You'll probably wind up uh, enjoying it. So the only uh, the only other episode I watched was with what's her face. Um, finding that hidden village of women. That was good, though. I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. I just, but like you know, it, it kind of disrupts the narrative because I, I mean, at least for me, I should go back and watch in order because I went from watching Abraham and, Abraham and Glenn brutally get murdered and then she's walking around in forest. You know, like it, it's a really jarring difference. But I think, I think personally, for what it for uh, for me, what it is is I remember in issue one hundred and one. 
there was this really belligerent, angry letter at the end to Robert Kirkman threatening to like kill him and like like how could you do mm-hmm. this? And it's from this guy um, named Stephen Yun. <laughs> so I think that kind of gave me hope like okay maybe if he listens to this Stephen Young guy they won't kill off Glenn and they do it and that kind of like I think that's what really messed me up because I was like oh it's predictable don't do it and they do it and I'm like oh well I know how the rest of this is going to go click but on the bright side he's still on Voltron and he's still on that new Troll Hunter show so at least you can still hear his voice every now and then that's very true I experienced something similar to you Raph with the, the 100 okay Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Brandon. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, dude, uh, trust me. I mean, I was a fan of the show, and uh, this did happen in 2016, so I can't include it on my shit list, but the way that they decided to get rid of Lexa on the show, and everybody on the call will probably know what I mean when I say this, they essentially tarot her. Oh. You mean off screen and didn't know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she essentially walks into the room and then gets hit by a stray bullet. Oh, just like that girl mm-hmm. on Walking Dead last season, the blonde. Yeah. Yeah. And this was around the same time as that. So this was two prominent lesbian characters getting killed like that. Back to back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which was kind of shitty. And it, it was the way they decided to kill off Alexa. Like, uh, does, does anybody on the call listen to the 100 other than Brandon and me? I mean, do you guys mind if I spoil it? I'm like on three episodes into season two. It never I watched all of one. And then I was starting two and it wasn't like grabbing me. So I don't know if I'll ever make it back. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. That's how I was watching it was on Netflix. Yeah, season two is up and down. So I totally get that. I thought it was supposed to be the highlight of the of the show it, so far with season it, two. It has moments, but it's just inconsistent with some with some aspects of the show. But basically, Lexa is this warrior woman, uh, like sort of like Xena-esque in that way. And uh, for, for them to decide to kill her off the way they did instead of going out fighting uh, was just, I felt like it was completely against the character. Like, I mean, they, they, they could have had her go out in like a blaze of glory, but instead she winds up getting hit by a freaking bullet that wasn't even meant for her and the worst part of it is is that the app was written by one of my favorite creators uh, you guys remember the the, the comic and, and tv show uh, middleman yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, the creator of Middleman, wrote this episode. Really? Wow. Yeah. And I mean, he's he's since apologized for this shit because I mean, he got a lot of hate mail for this. I was gonna sure. say that sounds completely kind of out of character for him. Yeah. I mean, he probably thought he was being respectful to the character, and uh, he's since apologized and basically said that he would never do something like this again. But you know, he probably thought he was being respectful to the character, but it really didn't come off that way at all. See. Yeah, it's fiction. In in fiction, you give your characters the best death possible because that's what people expect. Who cares, right? Like, yes, a, a bullet to the head randomly is like, it's real life, kind of, sort of, maybe. I don't know how real life that really is, but... You know, like you don't need to do that to a beloved character like that. I hate that. Yeah, and I mean, the way that they decided to kill off, and I don't, I, we already said spoilers, I don't have to worry about spoilers here. The way that they decided to kill off Glenn on the Walking Dead TV show, I feel, was the way to do it. Because, I mean, the way that they did the swerve... Yeah, because mm-hmm. it wasn't predictable. I mean, you they, they kind of gave you the red herring with Abraham, and then they swerved you on it, which I can... If you wanted it to be a shock death, it, it worked. It definitely worked. It was, and it was executed great. Um, it also, you know, and you know, I didn't like it, but it did a lot of great things. I mean, uh, Daryl's got an entire emotional arc to go through. Rick's got an arc. Maggie has her arc, you know, that she did in the comics, and now she's doing in the in the show. So, I mean, it's not like it's not like I hate it because uh, it it was terrible for the show. It actually did something for the show, but 
it's just something I just personally didn't care for it. You know, like it's yeah. a, it took me out. It just took me out of it. So yeah, I mean, let me know if you decide to go back to it because I mean, a lot of this season has been working for me just for how close to the comic they have been sticking on certain aspects. Because I mean, yeah, they do change stuff for the show, but the the important stuff they're still doing. Like for instance, they did do an episode where Curl, damn it, Curl visits Negan's camp. And it goes off just as well in the show as it did in the comic. And I, I was really looking forward to that, and they executed it perfectly. Oh, good, good. I'm glad they did. Oh, my, my wife's favorite line from the season, the season Negan on Carl, dude, you scare the shit out of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a line straight from the comic. Yeah. So so did the Carl death and Walking Dead, if you're a comic reader, I mean, I already know that they swerved and did... Abraham and then Carl. So I'm. You mean Glenn, not Carl, right? Whatever. Yeah, <clears throat> Glenn. Did it actually swerve you as a reader of the book? Like, did you think for a second they actually weren't going to do it? Well, they had they swerved so many times before that too. Oh yeah, with the with the you know, with the dumpster. Yeah, 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 with the dumpster, and I think what was it? There was that other. I think when he had his back against the the wall, I think that one Alexandria issue or uh, issue episode, sorry. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like they were definitely playing with the comic readers a little bit, you know, like making us think that the Glenn death was going to happen earlier than expected. And then be like, ha still alive Ha-ha, suckers. And then you keep on watching the, uh, the TV show. Like they were definitely playing with that a lot, but saving the Abraham death for that pivotal scene from issue 100 to swerve us, I think actually was executed really well. Like, I, I did not see it coming. I actually thought for a second there they were going to pull another, ha ha, not dead, and just have Abraham be the guy who bites it. But didn't wind up happening that way. Yeah, I didn't I didn't suspect it until Daryl had his little outburst. And then I was like, oh, shit. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell Don't. Uh, you told that was me. my little reaction. And you know what, Raph? My single favorite episode of the season so far was the episode where we find out what happened to Daryl at Negan's camp. Okay. Because holy shit, that is some messed up stuff. I heard something about dog food in a cage. Oh, yeah. Raise your hand if you've downloaded the song. <laughs> me, me. Yeah, they play a very inspirational song for such a fucked up moment. Okay. So yeah, get back to watching it at some point. I think you'll really enjoy it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of iffy about starting that season, just because I heard, I mean, the the last episode of season six when they ended with the blackout of the point of view of whoever dying with the baseball bat, but not even I knew that was coming because I had read all about it and stuff. Since I kind of knew they were going to kill Glenn or expected them to. So I didn't, you know, I read all about it when that episode happened. And then actually watching it, I was just bored to shit. I was like, this is so boring. I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch What's-His-Face's Negan because it seems like they've taken a lot out of him with him not being able to say fuck. Fucks or no fucks, they haven't. They really haven't. Well, did does it improve after that, I guess is my question. Oh, yeah. Because his whole long monologue on that last episode of season six... Like, his whole introduction, I was just bored to tears. Well, I wasn't bored to tears, but I feel like they've done a pretty good job with Negan so far this season. Brendan, I forget, are you up to date? Uh, I don't watch Walking Dead. Right. But, I mean, I'm, I'm current on everything, though. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Although, I do feel like Dave Chappelle did a better version of the Glenn death than the show did. I did oh. watch that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Tyrone. All I have to say is, do 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 
<laughs> I'm okay, Joe Rogan. Oh, and I did read more Paper Girls this year, and uh, Brian K. Vaughn in general, man. It is very hard for Brian K. Vaughn to write a bad comic book. The man can do, can do no wrong at all. Exactly. Is he actually physically capable of putting out subpar work? Like, is that actually possible? Um, I think Saga has died down a little bit it, from it, the initial, no- like, wow factor. Yeah, but so did but Y. It's still very good, but it's not amazing anymore. Uh, I remember the same thing happening to Y after a while. Like, I just took it for granted. Well, because the book is just consistently good. So it's just, I think the reason why why it's kind of died down is because we're just so used to the book just being good. It, it's, I mean, out of, all the, out of all the space opera books that are out there now, I mean, I think Saga is probably one of the better told ones, at least. And you always you always get compelling characters. You actually are interested in, in Marco and Alana. You, you're just invested in the story more. So I think the fact that because we expect the book to be good all the time and we're getting good all the time, I think that does kind of take the piss out of it just a little bit, though. Oh, yeah. I wonder if maybe because it hasn't really been in the headlines, like the first year we had the, you know, two things, at least uh, was it issue 13 with the, the sex scene on Robot Force head playing out pretty graphically or something like that. <laughs> There's all this nonsense about the stuff. And I wonder if that just made it like more risque to read and you appreciated it after that well, because well, it's like, it's like you sex, realized it's how many like sex big sex. Yeah, but I mean, I feel the same way about sex criminals. Like, I mean, you don't see articles coming out that much anymore about how amazing sex criminals is because if you're reading sex criminals, you're already reading sex criminals. You don't need to read articles that continue to say, hey, you should be reading this book if you're already reading the book. And it's it's doing pretty well, and it's still keeping up the quality that it had when it started. Well, I got to be honest, yeah. I'm, I'm about a trade plus behind on Saga because my other space epic from Image is really dominating my time, which is Descender from Lemire. That book is awesome. Oh, uh, uh, tell me a little bit about that. I'm curious. So it's set in a galaxy where um, it's got like a federation sort of going on. There's different factions. Um, it's survived this horrible robot invasion. Um, and uh, so like robots are kind of uh, ostracized and hated. And they discover uh, this one robot's on this on the moon by itself. Like its family's dead or presumed missing. And there's this whole mystery around it because the... Um, it's linked to the alien robots that came before and they might be coming back and all these different sides are trying to manipulate uh, Tim. I think his name is Tim 22. So um, yeah, it's, it's really good. It's only like 15, 16 issues in, I want to say maybe not even that much. I think it's only on second trade actually. So it is amazing. I love it. Lemire, like Lemire and Vaughn, they've always steered me right. The main character is a little, uh, a robot, but he's a little boy. Yeah. It's a little robot boy. Kind of like what uh, Haley Joe Osment was in AI, but actually useful. And and <laughs> and and his parents are dead. His <laughs> one of them might be dead. His his one of them might be dead. I don't. We never saw the other one. So wow, you just got Rick Bold. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> can, can, can I get a call back? Call back. <laughs> hey, what's your what's your uh, what's your new lady friend's name again? Uh, her name is not to be spoken by you, Raph. Wait, wait, wait. Did she share anything with anybody that we know of? Uh, why did you say that name? All right. 
Martha. <laughs> Are you gonna think about the worst moment of twenty sixteen? Well, second worst moment of twenty sixteen. Are you think about the second worst twenty moment of twenty sixteen whenever you see her? No, no, I don't. But uh, speaking of bad moments of twenty sixteen, how about that fucking movie, huh? Oh, still owe me. You still owe me. First off. Fuck that noise. We had good cheesesteaks. It was all good. All right? Uh, and we had a great episode. You guys had a good time. I we had a good time. Um, I actually just watched this last week, actually. Why? Why would you? Because there was alcohol, and there were people over, and there was pizza, and it was all good. It puts the BVS on the TV, or else it gets <laughs> the hose again. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, watched the, we watched the extended edition. You watch me. I watch me. Yeah, which, which the extended hose edition. And I can thank Matthew Guy for that because there was no way I was going to watch it if I had to pay money for it. And he was nice enough to give me a, a digital code that I could download for it. And now that I've watched it, I know that it basically changes absolutely nothing. Not a thing. It makes Superman better. What? <laughs> Like, it it makes him, him a, a, a fleshed-out character, like cl- the Clark Kent version of, you know, that part of Superman. It gives him something to do. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it does explain some things. Like, I mean, it does explain that the chair that Scoot McNary, Scoot McNary, I want him to be in more things, uh, was sitting in, was lined with lead, so that's why Superman wasn't able to see the explosion coming and then stood there like a little bitch while everybody burned around him. Or save anybody, you know. Oh, no, 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 he saved one person. That was actually in the extended edition. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, and I mean, you should have seen the look on the paramedic's face when he flies in this one person, and the paramedic is all like, uh, yeah, uh, thanks, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it from here. Thanks. Thanks, Superman. Thanks, you're great. You're, you're great. Thanks. What would we do without you? Thanks. Like, that's it? That's all you got? Well, and the other thing is, as soon as he heard the explosion, he could have used his super speed to, like, hug the chair. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And I also watched the extended cut of Suicide Squad. That same day. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. I got it for Christmas. One, we one lives, for Christmas. One lives, one dies. BVS or Suicide Squad? <laughs> Honestly, Chris, Suicide Squad lives over BVS. Oh, no, I'd yeah. say Suicide Squad dies. I'd rather watch BVS again than watch Suicide Squad again because Suicide Squad is almost more disappointing because you you had more hope for it. Whereas like BVS, I was hoping for, but when it was as bad as it was, like I wasn't, I didn't feel as let down as as I I did when I watched Suicide Squad. Did, Did the trailer of Suicide Squad make you feel let down? The trailer yeah. of BVS made me come in my pants, but Suicide Squad <laughs> got me excited, and I thought it was good. No, no, no. You, you want to know what the greatest thing in life is? And then, Brandon, you can say what you're going to say after this, but my, one of my favorite things is when Facebook reminds me of Brent's reaction after he watched that first Batman v Superman trailer. Well, that's because Amanda shared it this year. And just seeing how disappointed he was with the movie itself after that trailer. It just, just welcome to our side, Brent. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, those tears are delicious. Nice and yeah, salty. pretty much. <laughs> what were you going to say, Brandon? I mean, like, all right, I, for me, I'll probably say that Suicide Squad will live over BVS because yeah. at least I can find a redeeming moment in Suicide Squad. I can't in BVS at all. The action yeah, sequences are much better in BVS than in Suicide Squad. <sighs> there are three less downed helicopters in Batman v Superman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although on the plus, on the plus, 
Plus, that though, I was less confused by BVS than I was at Suicide Squad because I still, to this day, cannot remember the first fifteen minutes of that movie. And I've tried well, it's all the different I, introductions. And I know, but here's the thing, though. Okay, so you, you get the introductions, right? And then you get those introductions again. And I don't remember the first introduction for the first time. That's when they flashed uh, that Harley Quinn killed Robin for like a split second on the screen, just so all the geeks would go, what? <laughs> uh, but even if that movie was a trash fire, and so was Batman v Superman, at least DC's media side did one giant crossover right, and that was... Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl. Can I get an Hell amen? Yeah. Can I get an amen? Can I get no, an let's, amen? Let's take Supergirl out of there. Come on. Yeah, but you know what, Brent? That episode of Supergirl acted like every single comic book crossover that we read that has some sort of prequel or prologue to the actual event itself. Yeah, prelude to I know. I just wish they would like take out the... F- it's not a four-part crossover. It's a okay, three-part well, crossover. Well, for, no, and the same off, scene is in Flash and Supergirl. That's fair. Well, well first off, all the actors said it was a three-part crossover. Ask every actor or every person on the production, they'll say it was a three-part crossover. Ask the person in the marketing, they'll say it's a four-part crossover. You know why? Brand confusion. <laughs> Synergy. Transmedia. But still, you got to give me Supergirl Season 2 way better than Supergirl Season 1. Oh, God, yes. yes. And which yeah, is surprising, yeah. based off it being on the CW, everybody thought it was yeah, going to be pretty bad. The quality hasn't no, gone yeah. down that much. I mean, in terms of like special effects, I mean, the stories have been great. Yeah, they're really more Martian like, Manhunter this kicking. season so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, getting the White Martians involved, uh, having Miss Martian around is a lot of fun. Yep. Oh heck yes! And I was kind of worried going into it because they were going to have Superman show up. But oh I, my god! I, I actually, I mean, overall in the season, I'm I'm in agreement. I I think they've been doing a really good job with things. Well, I mean, listen, Chris. I mean, that's the first live action Superman we've gotten in over 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Has it been that long since King Kane? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. What do you call that thing in the movies then? Bizarro. Man of Steel. That's what I call that thing in the movies. Man of Steel. No, that's Ultraman. He really is a man of steel because he's got that steely-eyed look all the damn time. He doesn't well, yeah. fucking smile, as Raph always says. Yeah, I know, right? Jesus. Yeah, no, I, I argue, arguably in his couple of performances, he has been one of my favorite Superman so far already. Definitely, definitely, one hundred percent agree. He's been really good at his job. He knocked it out of the park in those first two episodes of the, of the season, and I, I, I'm just, I think right now, bar none, he's been my favorite television Superman ever. I mean, I've only gotten three, but I think he's like live action. He, yeah. No, yeah. no te- television, television. You put him just, over Newburn and uh and uh Daily? Mm, well, yes. Right. Yes, I would. Only because they're just I mean as a friend who who has a voice actor, they're just they're just the voices. They're the they're the oral embodiment of the character. You take that back. Kevin Conroy is Batman. Period. Yeah, right. shut the fuck up. Yeah, see, so until Tyler, can I finish? Can I can I finish? Oh, okay, go nope. ahead, finish, finish. Yes, nope. Ross Perot, you can finish. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You, me, you call me Ross Perot, really? Can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? I understood that reference. Jeez, uh, I mean, I said, as I said, I preface this. I, I have friends who are voice actors, and I get it. They wrong, are. wrong. <laughs> Loser, uh, no. said. It's a nasty boy. But uh, I get it. They they are. They they do embody the characters to some degree, but only orally. I mean, honestly, I think Tyler Hecklin has been the pretty much the complete package for the character. It's not only the hairiest one we've seen. 
True. Not, uh, not only from the, not only from the is that, was that a Team Wolf reference? <laughs> no, not only. You've seen Team Wolf. You've seen his beard. Holy shit, that guy can grow a beard. <laughs> yes, he can. And they didn't hide it very well on on Supergirl. That's for sure. No, or not. But I mean, like um, that's see, that's a show where if they he comes back or gets a spinoff, they need to answer the question: How does Superman shave? We know how he shaves. We know how he shaves. Yeah. He's fishing I mean, against like, the mirror. Now, was that from Lois and Clark, or was that from that, the comics? That was from Burn Superman. Yeah, Burn. I feel like I saw it in Lois and Clark too. That was from Burn Steel. I drank. Uh, I drank John Burns eggnog over the Christmas break. By the way, it's pretty good. Uh, it's say blood or something worse. There's an eggnog that I found at Walgreens called Burn Eggnog. It's it's not it's not bad. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, it used to be better years ago, but it's it's not bad. It's pretty good. Is it better than Astros? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. So I'm, I'm just want to throw in real quick. Until Tyler gets the paper speech or a moment like it, I can't put him at number one yet. And Christopher Reeve is permanently number one because, because reasons. By paper speech, you mean the Waterworld paper speech, not the other yes, one, right? Yes, not from JLU because that that speech is boring paper. and pedantic. You ever see oh, yeah. paper? No, but no, but Heckland, <laughs> Heckland is my favorite TV Superman. I think uh, over Dean Cain, over yeah, even 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 over George Reeve. Right, and Kevin Conroy is my favorite TV Batman because we've only had one. There you go. Yeah. Hey, David Mazuz. Uh, Adam West. Uh, okay, fine. Adam West. Adam West. Adam Good job. All right, guys. Well, unfortunately, I, I've got to call it. Yeah, you got to call it. Yeah. Sorry about that. Any final thoughts on 2016? Uh, you know what? If 2017, as far as uh, comics and media, is anything like 2016 has been. Uh, good stuff should be uh, on the horizon, and uh, well, we can leave the bad stuff off to the side. All right, that's fair. So, uh, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me at uh, Twitter at Equinox underscore BP BBP. Shit, I can't even say it myself. Um, and on the Facebooks, Chris Chavez. All right, awesome. We'll get you back sooner than later for a longer period, man. Sounds good to me, guys. Thanks again. All right. You have a good night, man. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So that was Chris joining us for some old school action, and now it's just the big four for the rest of the episode. I have no idea what that voice was. Anyway. Oh. Um, Ian, I need to apologize to you. Yeah? Why? Um, I read something this year that I thought I would never do. Uh, oh, oh, um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What'd you read? What'd you read? Huh? Huh? What'd you read? 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 Thanks to Comixology Unlimited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I read volume read? one read? of uh, The uh, Wicked uh, and uh, the Divine uh, by Karen <laughs> Gillen and Jamie McKelvey, and it was really fucking fuck good. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> I told you so, motherfucker. I don't know if I well, said something about it this year or last year, but I remember saying something about it, and then after reading it, I really regret it. I remember you saying pretty damn well, I don't like Gillen and McKelvey. Why would I want to read that? But you did. So suck it. Uh, how's, that, how's that crow taste? Wait, he didn't. Re- you didn't read uh, Young Avengers? No, I did. I didn't like it. Really? Oh, okay. That's what you were basing this decision on. Okay, I got it. I got it. I just want to make it clear. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever read Phonogram? No. All right, well, if you liked Wicked and Divine, which you did, uh, as you just said, uh, I'm going to remind you of that a lot because uh, you're reading Crow. <laughs> but yeah, give Phonogram a shot. I-, I think they just solicited the complete Phonogram for April, if I remember correctly. And I think a couple of volumes might be available on Comicsology Unlimited, uh, so you might want to take a look at that. But but yeah, I mean, give it give it a shot and see if it's your cup of tea. Did you read any manga? No, I did not. I thought you said you were going to check out Attack on Titan. Uh, Jim has the first volume of it in his cube, thanks to Loot Creator or something. I think I read the first 20 pages or so. 
Did you find it fantastic? No, I got I got tired of reading backwards. Did you change your mind on manga completely? No. I just said I got tired of reading backwards. Okay, so what you're saying is that you found it fantastic. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, it's code word for loving. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, TV, it's right? Closest you're gonna get. Yes, yes. TV. Brandon, Flash. Oh, God, yes. Yes. Yes, yes. All the yeses for the show. All the yeses. Earth 3. That's all I'm saying, man. Earth 3. No, no. Not, it's not just Earth 3. Earth, what was it? Earth 27? Oh, yes, yes. Earth 27? For, for Mr. Uh, uh, H, uh, for, uh, was it? HR, yeah. HR Wells, H- yes. Scrumptious day. <laughs> or, no, was it Earth 19? Mime Wells? <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> Mime Wells, I want to come back somehow. <laughs> but no, no, Earth 3 with Mark Hamill in the Joker suit and... As the jokester? Yes. Everything being all happy-looking and old-timey and reminded me a, a lot of, like, traditional JSA Earth 2. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, I just I just hope that maybe in Season 4 we can get a non-speed-related villain somehow. Okay, good, Brent. How about this? The turtle. Uh, too late. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's uh, in a cell someplace um, drooling or dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember, remember Brain Matter? Right. Ooh, how about Girder? Girder week. Oh, yeah. Um, ooh, I'm uh, just asking ooh. for something different. I, I enjoyed season one a lot. I like season two. Season three is good. I'm just tired of the speed villains, I guess. Cadaver would be cool. Oh, that'd be awesome. I thought we were going to get this cool. year. Yeah, I'd be totally down for that. Also, I want Max Mercury like nobody's biz. Oh, if you my want, God. If you want Cadabra, you need to read the Titans Rebirth book. Okay. The first arc's pretty cool. Okay, cool. I think I have the first two issues of that Titans run. I meant to do that comicsology sale that DC had where everything was on sale. I think the first three issues of every Rebirth title was on sale, but I completely forgot, and before I knew it, it was the 29th of December and uh, no good anymore. Oh, you know what you should have picked up, hopefully everyone did, was Dark Knight by uh, Paul Dini. I forget what the subtitle is, but it's his Batman Vertigo graphic novel about him getting mugged. Oh, yeah, he, like, I heard about while that. he was doing working on the animated series. Wow, that's awesome! I should check that out. Really, really good. Oh my oh. gosh! Also, listen, listen to his interview with on uh, with Kevin Smith on Batman on Batman. Oh, yes, like, yes. Break your heart, man. Speaking of Dark Knight titles, did anybody on this call actually read any DK three this year? Uh, I did. I did not read the last issue yet. No, I read the first issue. That's it. Is it actually any good at all? Mm, I don't know. It's it has. It seems like the first five issues have less to do with Batman. Then they do Superman, because basically the the plot of the book is um, the Kryptonians from the bottled city of Kandor come out and they're evil and they're mind controlled and they start taking over stuff. So how does Batman fight even more Kryptonians than just the one? He gets Superman to help him. Superman's daughter's a bitch. Nice. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's you're never gonna touch Dark Knight Returns. And I don't know how much is Azarello or Frank Miller. You I know, heard you the- talk to Azarello, and Azarello say, "Oh, it's Frank's story. I'm just helping out." You listen to Frank Mil- Miller, who wants to give Azarello all the credit or the blame. Who knows? I think it was all Klaus Janssen. Yeah, there we go. Blame assigned. Yeah. Yes. I I I I, I drew the book and I I inked the book also as well. Yeah. I think I think <laughs> the most disappointing thing is that I don't know who's doing it. If Andy Kubert's like. He's aping Frank Miller as much or as little as possible. He still looks like Andy Kubert. Yeah. But he looks a little bit like Frank Miller. That might be Klaus Jansen inking on top of him. But it's like, 
either give me all or nothing. Give me Frank Miller or give me Andy Kubert because I like Andy Kubert right a lot. Can we focus for two seconds on the accent that Brandon just did? Because that just sunk into me now. Like, what is that supposed to be? Hans and Franz? Part Bavarian, part uh, Swedish, I guess it was. Yeah, I, I yeah. You say Valerian? Like Bavarian. Game of Thrones? Bavarian. Bavarian. Yeah, part, you know, I, I ink the book. I ink the book on Andy's artwork, yeah. And uh, I make Andy look like uh, Frank, yeah. And um, I, I do good work, yeah. I, I do... Uh, yeah, Batman, you know, so yeah, I've been reading books for 30, 30 years. Why haven't I cut in yet? Why am I letting this go on? I don't know. It's so racist. <laughs> why, if I were to do a Southern Black Force, you would not let me go on. I'm just, I'm, everything is reverse racist? racism this year. <laughs> it's the return of white people in 2017, so get used to it. Yeehaw! Let me get some fried chicken. Wait, wait, hold on. To, to quote um, Kevin Smith, this year's going to be alt-right. Yeah, guys, right? Yes, it's going to be alt-right now, baby. It's alt Right now, come right on, now. it's everything. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right. Since you mentioned Game of Thrones, I want to throw this out there real quick. Uh, I know it's not comic book related, but this season of Game of Thrones was freaking amazing. Yeah, once they were able to start running, as opposed to like keeping whatever Martin was doing, mm-hmm. it got a lot better. Absolutely. And speaking of HBO, I just finished Westworld, and holy crap. Don't yeah, say a good. Word. It is really good. It's the most cerebral show I've watched in I don't even know how long. Okay. The way that I'll describe it is that every single thing that happens in the show is important. You may not know it at the time, but it's going to wind up coming back around. Like, it's definitely the type of show where you watch it once through and you don't know what's going to happen next. And that's thrilling. But then you really want to sit down and you want to watch it a second time because then you go back and and you realize all the shit you didn't catch, and it, it, it becomes even deeper. Like, I've watched a couple episodes of the season a, a second time now, and I, and I want to watch it all the way through for a second full viewing because it's just that damn captivating, and everything just weaves itself together in the one magical tapestry of a program. I was trying to watch um, Mr. Robot, and I think I'm about halfway through season one on Amazon. Yeah. You're watching Mr. Robot? Yeah, it's 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 kind of a slog a little bit. That surprises me that you find Mr. Robot to be a slog. But I like that that ver- that character so much. He's just so interestingly boring. Is this all happening right now or is this all made up? Is this real life? Are you real? Is any of this real? What is love? Baby don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. No spoilers. Okay, fine. Even though I already know he's not real. <laughs> yeah, really. Dude, really? Spoilers. Really? Uh. If you can talk about Glenn dying, that's even older. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, we didn't say who's not real. Uh, true. I'm guessing the main characters. No, no, no. Who's on first? Oh, you can't even say that because that would be unspoiling this t- semi-spoiler. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Third base. <laughs> oh. And let's not forget Arrow. Arrow, Arrow, Arrow. Back to being as good as it was in the first two seasons. Yeah. Thank God, yes. It's amazing what getting rid of Felicity will do for a show. What do you mean? Felicity's still there. Yeah, but I didn't like the last stuff. Well, you mean you didn't like Olicity or Folly, if you prefer? No. I thought I did, but I did not. Well, she became every stereotypical, you know, love interest, so that kind of killed the character. 
what was the, well, no? What killed the character was them crippling her and then letting her walk. Oh again. yeah, that was stupid. Well, no, that, no, was well, that was stupid. But teasing us with Oracle and then fixing the character within two episodes of your pizza's free. Right. I was kind of like, instead of losing her legs, can she lose her arms? Because that would be more devastating. Like to be a paraplegic right? instead of just a paralegic. Can she then get wacky waving inflatable tube arms? That would really oh, be, just, be hilarious. And just try, watching her try to type so with that. Better. Curtis, hack the missiles with me. Curtis is great, though. Curtis is great, but oh my, they're... they're uh, like, I don't know what they're she trying to do with the character. Problem. Oh, how do you, you do mean, your hair his, his magic hair minutes. problem? How do you, how do, you do cornrows in five minutes? He's, he's impo- terrific possible, at it, that's okay. all. As a person who got his hair braided in the Bahamas for his 30th birthday because his friends forced him and the lady would not let go of my arm, that takes forever, and I only got like twelve. Wow, Listen, wow, he's terrific at what he does. He that's it, that's all there is to it. He has a secret machine we have not seen yet. Yeah, no, his hair is nanites. Pretty much, yes. That makes a lot oh, more no, no, sense. No, no, he's he's a T spheres. He has enough. The T spheres are his head. That's the only real explanation. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There we go. But yeah, I've been liking how things are going, and I really like the Prometheus storyline, and I don't think that's over yet. Oh yeah, definitely. It's very possible. How, how that hundredth episode? Oh yeah, no, that was great. That was like that episode of uh, Batman the Animated Series where Bruce wakes up and his parents are alive and everything's all happy and hunky dory, and there's a Batman running around, but it's not him, and and everything is uh, like actually a dream. I think it was a Mad Hatter dream, if I remember correctly. The one where it starts with Commissioner Gordon breaking in the Batcave? No, that's a different one. No, it was Riddler. So it was like that Alan Moore story with Superman? Essentially, yeah. That they did on Supergirl last year? Yeah, I guess the Batman episode was very for the man who has everything, like his version of it. And I mean, so was the Arrow one. I mean, very similar in execution. Raph, you've been watching Legends? No, I have not watched a single episode of Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. You monster. Okay, so here's what you do, Raph. You skip season one entirely. That was the plan, and uh, we were going to marathon them all up to the crossover, and we are uh, we have not done that. Okay, because season two so far is definitely way better than season one. I, I've heard, but um, we have not done that yet. It's basically the American Doctor Who now. Uh, oh, good. Well, I mean, he's got Rory. So they leave the time ship behind. Like, they get in the time ship, they leave Rory behind, and he, like, becomes a gladiator for, like, 2,000 years and then falls in love with Amy again. You know, I know you're making a joke, but you're actually not too far from the truth there. And I mean, there is a character named Rory. It's just not the name of the character Arthur Darville's playing. You know what? I'll take it. I don't care. I I know everyone's tired of Karen Gillan. I'm not. You are not that far off, actually. (laughs) (laughs) We're good. I'm good. I will I'll watch it. And you know, a lot of the second season doesn't have him in it because he's, he was off filming the final season of Broadchurch. Oh, wait. What? Yeah. They brought back Broadchurch? For one more season. Oh, didn't know that. Awesome. I guess. Maybe. Sure. Okay. Brent, have you been watching Legends of Tomorrow? Yes, I have. I've been hating it less. Yeah. So it's an improvement. <laughs> I'll take that. And unlike the rest of you mooks, I still watch Gotham. Nope, nope, just, just, no. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm about done with Gotham. I am done with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I watched two episodes of Ghost Rider, and I was like, nope. We got one episode, so. I've been done with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while now. I'm still trying to slog through the last season. It just doesn't go anywhere. Like, once they decided to not include it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it, what's it mean? What's the point? Ding, ding, ding. We're never going to get any payoff. Um... Okay, no, that's not necessarily true because if they do some sort of Inhumans crossover, maybe. But even then, that's not what we were promised. 
right? Well, they 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 forget that they can cross over with Daredevil right? and Luke Cage and Jessica yes. Jones, and they're not even doing that. They can, and yet they can't. I mean, I know that Netflix likes having those shows in their own little bubble. Then then cancel the fucking show. Just done. Sorry. Well, transition it over to Inhumans, and then let Inhumans be your Marvel TV show. You know, at least give them an ending. I don't want to just cut it now. You know. Are we actually looking forward to that? Are we actually looking forward to seeing the royal family on TV? If they can get Vindy's Diesel and Black Bolt. Not as much as I was to a, looking forward to as a movie, because again, I don't think the humans can carry a regular series. I just don't. They can surprise me. They can prove me wrong. That's fine. I won't. I, I, I'd love to be proven wrong, but I'm, again, we just saw in the comics, the humans were a cornerstone in the Marvel Universe, and the Marvel Universe is not doing so great. What if they get Steven Yoon to play Karnak? Okay. All right, there we go. Oh, wait, yeah. stereotype the kung fu character with the Asian person. <laughs> Ooh, sick burn. Oh, it's, it sounds like something Marvel would want to avoid in their films. Oh, wait, they did. They did, so... Okay, did, did anybody see that BS with Margaret Cho? And then Tilda Swinton just dropping the balls on her. I really didn't see that as BS. I saw that more as two people having a conversation and then deciding to post it on the internet. No, no, no. Yes, that's what it was. Margaret Cho claimed on on Twitter that she got into an argument with Tilda Swinton about it. What? That wasn't an argument. Come on. Yes, so that's what Margaret Cho... She overplayed it like she was the defender of the great Asian people and stuff like that or whatever. I'm making that's my words, not hers. But Tilda Swinton released the emails where it's a nice conversation and it was over. Much ado about nothing. So fuck you, Margaret Cho. The only part I kind of got a little pissy at Tilda Swinton about was uh, was her being like, oh, look, but I've got Steven Young in a movie. It's going to be great. Like, okay, okay. I get it. You don't want to. Oh, um, that wasn't necessarily the part, but she was like, it was more about the part being a woman than the part not being Asian. I'm like, you, why are you why are you choosing? You know, like if it, it wouldn't be as good if an Asian man was in it as opposed to a woman. Why are you? You don't have to say that. It's fine. I wasn't as pissed off about the ancient one. Uh, I was at first, but then I was like, you know what? I get why they did it. If I wasn't they, trying like, to start this discussion again. We did that last episode. Yeah, it's fine. I Whatever. just wanted I to point care. out that Margaret Cho was seeking yeah, attention. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm totally like with you. Loser. I didn't love. I don't love. Eat, how both of them reacted to it, but whatever, it's done. Right. It's an old conversation. It's cool. Margaret shows you overreacting. Shut up. Stop talking then. Yeah, let's go. This is what, like, I had a Christmas party and there were two people talking about some person and they got into really heated and I went over to them and I said, okay, guys, let's change the subject now. And they just keep on talking about how they're done talking about the entire subject. I'm like, shut up. Well, let's actually bring up Doctor Strange since Raph is only on for a couple more minutes and uh, we haven't gotten there yet. And uh, by the way, we do have a further conversation on Doctor Strange that we will be releasing as extra points in the not-too-distant future. Uh, That was recorded as uh, part two of an episode, but uh, there were some uh, audio issues with that episode, so we're just going to go ahead and split it up into two parts. Uh, One part is about uh, Luke Cage, and uh, you should get that probably within the next week or so after this is being released, and then after that we'll have our Doctor Strange conversation. We know it's way after the fact, but you know what? Screw it. It's still content, and I think that you guys will wind up enjoying it, so we're going to bring it up anyway. But since that episode's not out yet, uh, let me just give my uh, my thoughts real quick on what I thought of Doctor Strange, since it was a movie that came out in 2016, and it was a big one. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought that Benadryl Klonopin did a fantastic job, and I mean, you know that I'm not the big Boulder Dash Cumberbund fan. I think it just came out that he's actually like related to Arthur Conan Doyle, so of course that gives like further validity to the fact that he played Sherlock Holmes in, in Stephen Moffat's stuff but 
whatever. That's beside the point. Uh, he, he, he did a good job of bringing Doctor Strange to life and uh, making him feel like a real, fully fleshed out character. Uh, it, it might actually be one of my favorite origin movies that they've done. Uh, way better than Thor. Uh, and uh, I, I'd say it's on par with what they did with Captain America. Obviously, Iron Man is is on a stage all by itself because we wouldn't even have the movies we have now without Iron Man. But uh, yeah, no, uh, Doc, Doc Strange was really, really good for me. Um, and I I feel like it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, you know, I, I had no idea what to expect going in. And when I came out of it, I was glad to see that m- the magic in the Marvel Universe is now firmly established. Like, we don't just have the Asgardian technology masquerading as magic. Now we have firm magic, and it adds an entirely new layer to the Marvel Universe, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, we've got a whole new set of uh, villains that we can call on and uh, powers that we can call on when we need to. I'm sure that's going to wind up factoring huge into Infinity War and apparently Thor Ragnarok. But yeah, Raph, uh, let me get your thoughts on the film and how you think it holds up to the other Marvel movies. I'm glad I didn't see it in 3D because I feel like it would have been really jarring. You know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah I get it. And then um, I think they did a decent job. I think they, it's different. You, like you said, it's different from the other movies. Um, I like that there's actual magic also as opposed to it's just advanced super science, blah, blah, blah. You, know, you can have magic. Just just do it. I actually also really love Baron Mordo's character arc. Yes, completely agree. Like He's not necessarily the bad guy, and neither is Strange, and neither is the ancient one really, but there, he sees the hypocrisy of what they did, and it's like, you know what, I'm going to make my stand. So you can kind of support him, and that, that's really where you get like the great villains and the great characters, is when you, when you can actually see his point of view and like he's justified. That was great. I really liked that. Hannibal was kind of, eh. He was all right. He's a good actor. Hey, he was good. Yeah, he was okay. He wasn't, like, he wasn't the best Marvel. Honestly, let's talk about this real quick. Has there really been like an iconic Marvel villain besides Loki? And that's only that's because... Cool. Okay, Everybody yeah, no, you're right, him. you're right. But we're never going to see him again, right? Right. Theoretically. Yeah, because Hugo Weaving doesn't want to do it. Right. Or, well, I, you could throw someone else behind the mask. They could, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do that at some point. It's just right now, it's not in the cards. We did fall into the universe, so... Well, I'm, I'm hoping... What I kind of want to see is Thanos resurrects all the heroes' villains... And like they all have a super battle in Infinity War, but probably not going to happen. Kind of silly comic, too comic booky, whatever. No, it'll be the Chitari again. Yeah, right. So whatever. Best Marvel movie of the year, in my opinion, Doctor Strange. Yeah, <laughs> no, I would not agree with that. Civil War takes the cake for me, and honestly, I feel like even Deadpool was a better movie than Doctor Strange. If you want to count that as a Marvel movie. Civil okay, War well, was my really my jaw good. was agape in Doctor Strange because of the whole all the mind fuck things when he first got introduced with the dimensions and the hands turning into eyes and the eyes into hands. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, it was, it blew my mind. Whereas civil war was good. That's fair. I mean, you know, Dr. Strange was the more original story because I mean, let's, I mean, civil war is great, but it's also continuing the main story of the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. So I can, I understand that. Well, I continue to say this, but the thing that I appreciated the most about civil war was just how many movies it was in one package. Like it was Captain America three. It was Iron Man 3.5 and Spider-Man 0.5. Absolutely. It was Spider-Man 0.5. It was Avengers 2.5. All of that in one single movie. And yet it didn't feel overpacked and it still felt like a Captain America movie. It's fascinating how they managed to pull that off, and it's it's what makes it so damn great to me, and how I can watch it over and over and over again, because I feel like the, I, every single time I watch it, I find something new and interesting, 
that I did not find the last time around. And I'm not quite sure if Doctor Strange is going to have that much replayability for me as what Civil War has had. Like, I, I saw Civil War, I think, altogether, I think, six times while it was in the theaters. And I saw Doctor Strange once. I didn't really feel a reason to go see it again. I'm sure I will get the Blu-ray, and I'm sure I'll rewatch it then. But for talking rewatchability, Civil War has that in spades. And for me, that makes it a better movie. Well, Civil War gave me the whole feel of, like, the Avengers all over again, you know, is that... You know, remember that scene in the Avengers, the, the circle around the shot where you see them all kind of together for the first time? Mm-hmm. Civil War brought back that feeling again. I, I kind of missed that from the Marvel movies. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And it was more of a team movie than Age of Ultron was. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, so that's what it had going for it. We also haven't touched on Rogue One yet, and that was right at the end of the year. Uh, and I, I know we haven't talked about that on the podcast yet. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet? Oh, my yeah. God. Get off the call. Bye-bye. Well, Bye-bye. I'm later. All right, uh, this is a good time for me to leave that. You can find me on Twitter at Raph Reads Comics, and I will have a website at some point for something that I don't know yet. Cool. Okay, and I swear to God, if your ass hasn't seen it by the time you come back into town at the end of January, I'm taking your ass to see it whether you like it or not. I'm probably going to see it when I get back in town because, okay. you know, why not, right? Why, why, why not go to a draft house, you know, and see Rogue Why? Why wait to go see a great movie? Because I have to, I don't drive. <laughs> Oh, God forbid we learn new skills after we move well, no, out of New I'm, York I'm, City. I'm, I don't have. I, I don't think I'm gonna get my 14 hours in and get my road test done in three weeks. Exactly. He's gonna be in town for my birthday, so it's not like it's that long from now. Oh, I didn't know that. Jesus wait, Christ. Wait, wait, yeah, 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 the general thing. He's been the in missus, Maryland for a year. The missus isn't the Star Wars fan, so what can I do? She's a fan of everything else that we, I like, so I'm not gonna. You know what? That's one thing. Not a Star Wars fan, he says. Well, I, listen, you know, comics... I can't criticize that my wife didn't go see, see uh, Rogue One or Force Awakens with me. Oh, well, there you go. It's it, it's like, like you can't get everything. Like she went to see Star Trek with me. She went to see every other movie, you know, like she can. She's allowed to not like everything I like. Raph, you can hold on to your geek cred. We're teasing you. OK, Goodbye. no, that's fine. We're good. All right. You guys have a good time. And uh, uh, tell tell Martha I said hi. <laughs> Thanks, Raph. Don't do that at my birthday when you meet her. I'll kick your ass. <laughs> no, it's fine. All right. How does she feel about the Martha scene? She hasn't actually seen the awful tragedy that is Batman v Superman. Oh, you need you need to show her before Raph comes over. I've already told her about it, and her friends are already told her about it. So I think that's enough advanced warning for the Martha scene. But yeah, uh, let's switch gears. Rogue One. Oh, I hate it! Oh my God, worst movie ever. <laughs> just the worst. Just the worst. Bye bye to you two. No. I guess it's just the the <laughs> Brent, or Brent and uh, Ian show tonight. Yeah, that's it. See you later, Brandon. <laughs> Hooray. Wow, that's so weird. Your cell signal makes it sound like you're being negative about a fantastic movie. So weird. Oh, I you know what? Hold on, let me let me change phone yeah, No, no, uh, no. I loved it. Loved it. Good. Because this was legitimately better than Force Awakens for me. Mm. Well, all right, hear me out, okay? There were legitimately less member berries in Rogue One than there were in Force Awakens. Like this relies way less on what came before it in order to make the story worth it. Which is funny, considering that this is a another prequel, you know? But it, it takes what we got in episodes 1, 2, and 3 for the good and the bad of it, and 
leads directly into episode four, but crafts its own story along the way. It gives us new and unique characters. There's a lot less, member Chewbacca? Yeah, I member, going on here even with the ending of this movie and and the way that they work that. It, it's dark, it's gritty, it is the most war that Star Wars has ever been before. The battle scenes are intense and just you, you just want more and more of it. Uh, K2SO is a fantastic droid character that's introduced in this by Alan Tudyk. I mean, Alan Tudyk just voice every single robot that he can possibly voice because he just does a good job every time he does it. And really, it was a complete story. Beginning, middle, end, boom, you're done. Exactly what you want a prequel to be. You know, you don't need three movies to figure out how the Death Star plans got into the hands of the Rebels. They did it in one, it's done, and we can move on. And I, I needed that. You know, I needed a, 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 a side story more than anything else, I feel like. Like, this was very much in the vein of the extended universe, even if it wasn't actually an extended universe story, you know, based on a book that had come before. But I had a really great time watching it. it, it even when I was filled with emotion at times in this movie, with the way things turned out, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I can't wait to watch it uh, again. I've already watched it twice, and I see myself watching it at least one more time in the theaters, and then I'll definitely wind up getting the Blu-ray because I have a new viewing order for Star Wars after this movie. And best of all, I actually really like that there was no crawl for this movie because, yeah, it's not a standard Star Wars movie. It is a Star Wars story, but it's not part of the main story, so there wasn't a need for there to be a crawl. It just started, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then get to the first shot, and then have yourself a nice cold open before you get to the title scene. That was sort of refreshing, and I, I look forward to seeing uh, what they do with the rest of these side movies. It was the crawl for episode four. You're right, it absolutely was. Like, yeah. go back and reread the crawl for episode four. It's exactly what happens in the movie. Minus everybody's names. Yeah, you're absolutely on the mark, yeah. Uh, Brandon, I assume you disagree with it being better than Force Awakens? Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, yeah, Force Awakens has that nostalgia factor to it, which does kind of, you know, tint my love of the movie. But, I mean, I've been reading Star Wars books since I was 10 years old, okay? It, this reminded me of, like, one of the best, like, one, well, one of the great Star Wars novels. It, where it, it doesn't impede or intrude too much upon the lore. It just helps to enhance it right much more and without overstepping the boundaries it, it kind of reminds me of like a of like a rogue squadron book by stackpole or like a uh, race squadron book by by, uh, by, aaron, by aaron alston yeah other star wars fans that i know who have read a lot of the books have said essentially the exact same thing that this is the first extended universe movie that we've gotten right and, I, and that's what i liked about it and i mean granted i think force weekend i mean it does either fall prey or gets looked at the pop uh, looked upon by the nostalgia factor. But I mean the fact that you like you said that you did something so dark with the story. I mean within the first five minutes you see a main character kill a helpless character. I mean that doesn't happen. Or you you have this general sense of foreboding through the entire movie because you see Krennic come through and just wipe away all of the generous of just about her family for the most part. I mean, it, it does take a very dour turn. Right. And, you know, it, it, the movie is dour from, from the beginning to just almost the entire, to, till the end. But it's, 
it's still... It's still hopeful. That's just it. Yeah. Like, it completely validates why episode four is called A New Hope. Right. Because you needed an Empire Strikes Back level depress fest to get to the positivity that is throughout A New Hope. I mean, it's just freaking story structure. Correct. I think also, also too, it, it, in some respects, legitimizes the actual prequels to now as well. Yes, it, it does. And and they bring back, uh, oh, oh, what's what's his name? Uh, uh, the, the, the the character uh, that uh, the, the guy from NY, NYPD Blue played. Uh, Jimmy Smith, Bill Organa. Thank you. Uh, yeah, General Organa, and and I mean when he when he's standing there and he's like, I'm I'm gonna go off to Alderaan now and let them know about uh, the attack, and you're just like, No, you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned K2SO already, Brandon. Uh, what what do you think of uh, Alan Tudyk? Oh my God, favorite character of the movie. Favorite character of the movie. Yeah, man. I mean, like when you need a smarmy robot. Alan Tudyk is now officially the guy you go to. Like I didn't, I didn't know they hired Wash to be in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, and when he's all like, I'll, "I'll support you," the captain said, "I had to." Brent, you've been surprisingly quiet. Let me uh, know what you think. I really like the movie. I don't know. I haven't seen any of the things that people were like. There's feedback that it, from some Star Wars fans that don't like this movie. What is that about? Have you seen any? Yeah, I mean, there are people who feel like it's shat on the extended universe instead of expanding upon it and working off of it. Uh, there's people who felt like it wasn't Star Wars enough. What? Yeah, and I saw it with a bunch of Star Wars nerds who were essentially like, I don't know what the fuck these guys are talking about. That was amazing. And was incredibly respectful to the extended universe. Yeah. It's the people that will never be happy that didn't like Rogue One. It's the guys who will never be satisfied. Yes, I did just quote Hamilton there. But yeah, it's basically that swath of the internet that just like to shit on everything because it's not what they grew up with. You can't be upset with the expanded universe because like Lucasfilm themselves killed that a long time ago. Right. And I mean, you get kyber crystals in this. And I mean, that's never been mentioned in the movies before, only in the cartoons and the books. And you get the Book of the Wills. I mean, the Book of the Wills, that's from the original take. That's from George Lucas's first draft of Star Wars right there. I mean, that's freaking deep Star Wars lore. And they didn't say Metachlorians. Yeah. Yeah, thank God they didn't bring up Metachlorians. Could you imagine if they had done that all over again? Like, yeah, been there, done that. Let's not touch on that. I'm pretty sure there's also episodes of the Clone Wars animated series that try and, like, sweep that under the rug a little bit. Basically, the only legitimate criticism that I can ever see being valid for this is that it was too dark. And yeah, you know, you have a right to say that. But but if you're shitting on it for not being your precious baby of the extended universe, like, come on, come on, man. I am one with the Force. The Force is with me. Let's just roll with that. And we got uh, actual space battles, actual space naval battles. Yeah, the whole thing with the Hammerhead Corvette. Oh, I thought that's when Leia's Corvette was going to come out, and I did not take the Hammerhead thing so literally. And that turned out to be an even better moment. Yeah, and the fact that they found footage from Episode 4, unused footage from Episode 4. I don't know if you guys read about this yet. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, um, yeah, Red, red leader and uh, gold leader, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the fact that even after all the digging through archives that Lucas did to make the special editions back in 97, the fact that they're still undigitized episode four content out there in cans in the Lucasfilm warehouse is 
fascinating to me. Absolutely fascinating. I'm so glad that they found those interactions and they were able to use that as well as they did here in Rogue One. Thank God. And actually, that reminds me that uh, about a week ago, I went ahead and I downloaded the uh, full files of a fan project that has been going on uh, the past couple of years to try and despecialize the original trilogy, get it as close to the original reels as you can get to the original, you know, 70s and 80s reels of episode four, five, and six. And it's called the Despecialized Edition. You can look it up. Uh, I mean, there's there's articles about it all over the place. Yeah, how is that? They're basically putting out a Blu-ray quality version of the original trilogy without any of the special edition stuff included in there. And uh, they take stuff from uh, the the Blu-ray edition that was actually released. They take stuff from reels they've found over the years, and they just splice it all together into one thing. And they really do one hell of a good job, too. Like, I mean, the pic- the picture quality is great. I mean, it is definitely Blu-ray quality. So if, if you haven't checked that out, uh, go ahead and do so, uh, just just for the sake of, uh, I mean, for archival purposes even. Just just to have that in your collection would be pretty damn sweet. I remember that they've been talking about that for years now. Uh, I remember they, they had on, what, what documentary was that? Was it People for George Lucas? Yes. When they, when they first mentioned that? Mm-hmm. That was, and that was like, what, five years ago now? And they keep working on it, too. This is actually version 2.7 of uh, episode four. I want to see the uh, the cut of Topher Grace's uh, prequels. That's like an hour and a half long that combines all three movies. Oh, yeah. I remember him bringing that up on Nerdist. Apparently, he's he's never going to release it, but uh, hopefully maybe one day. Yeah, no, uh, hope, hopefully he will release that. But, but yeah, finishing up the Rogue One talk real quick, I said it and I mean it. I have a new viewing order for the Star Wars movies now thanks to Rogue One. It's, it's Rogue One, Episode 4, Episode 5, 1, 2, 3, 6. No, definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, uh, no. Yes, actually, yes. No, 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 that's wrong, no. Okay, well then how would you watch it? 1, 2, 3, Rogue- 1, 4, 5, 6, 7? No, Rogue One, four, five, six, one, two, three. That's what you just said. Okay, so the way that I heard you should do it is you watch 4, and then you watch Empire, And you get the reveal of who Anakin really is. And then the next thing you do is you start the prequel trilogy. You go to episode one, find out more about him. You go to episode two, get the Clone Wars. Then you do episode three, which ends on him becoming Vader. And then you have Return of the Jedi to close that out. So basically, you're getting the full backstory of Anakin Skywalker immediately after finding out who he is. I, I think that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, see, I, I can't do that. Cause it, then it, then it, because you have uh, that slog between one and two to get to three, which actually is the best of the prequels, then, it, then they get to six. I, I, I think it just kills the, the momentum of the films. Although, I'll be honest with you, it would probably make it easier for me to watch the prequel trilogy, to watch one, two, and three, if I know that six is waiting for me. <laughs> but you don't have the Yub Yub song anymore. Au contraire, mon frere. I actually also downloaded the despecialized edition of Jedi, so I have Yub Nub. Yub Nub. Yes, it- Yub nub, not yub yub. That was my bad. Yub nub. Yub yub. But yeah, no, Rogue One was a great way to end 2016 entertainment wise, and it really has me looking forward to the entertainment of 2017 while we're at it. Oh, was it ever? Uh. Also, saw Moana at the end of 2016. I didn't like I that, that as much as you did. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was Dwayne The Rock awesome, and we learned that he could Dwayne The Rock sing. Well, we knew it before from Get Shorty. I have never seen Get Shorty. Oh. Yeah, I've seen that. They they can't get him into the DC movies fast enough. Oh, what are like they waiting saying, for? They're waiting for a, a script for Shazam. That's what they're waiting for. Basically. Well, it, Flash apparently is in limbo, so stick him in Flash. Flash you know, versus you know, Black you, Adam. You know, look, here's the thing, okay? If Marvel scoops him up for a movie before DC, it'll be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Please don't say that. Ooh, 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 Black Bolt. No, he's already doing uh, ballers. All right, fair enough. But wait, he could do that on his spare time. He doesn't even have to talk. The the thing about that Inhuman show, which I didn't may say earlier, like I feel like they've already done everything they could do on that show if they're not going to tie into the Marvel Universe. Like the whole last season of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Daisy's mom and all that stuff, like... What else are you going to do other than what that was and change the characters' names to be more recognizable? Uh, Have them be on the moon and have a dog that teleports. It's going to be on ABC. You think they're going to do any of that? Maybe? Doubt it. If we get Inhumans, you know know they're going to do right. They're going to show us, for the movie, they're going to show us the the royal family, right? And then for the TV series, they're going to give us the crappy teen humans we got from the. Was it, was it the book or the, uh, the what, what book was that from the um, the early aughts? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so we're, we're going to we're going to get that for a TV series, and that's going to be that would break my heart. That would just break my heart. Well, let me also remind you that they said that uh, IMAX is going to be funding this series, not just the movie, but the series. So they're probably going to have a lot more of a higher budget than they have for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which could mean that they could do a lot more with the show than they could have done with that. I mean, maybe something closer to the quality of, of what we're getting from Netflix. And I, I fully expect those two episodes, to, the first two episodes at least, to be pretty damn cinematic, considering that they are going to be airing in theaters. Like, it, it has to play like a movie for people to actually do that. Although, mind you, they also do Doctor Who showings in theaters. But but still, you, you, you get my point here. No. They need to get Shonda Rhimes on this Inhuman show. Get some good writers on there. Do you just want every single ABC show to be done by Shonda Rhimes? Hey, uh, I have I did not see the one with Morelli Enos, but How to Get Away with Murder is good. And uh, what was the other one that was on this season? Oh, uh, Agent Carter should come back now. Uh, her show got canceled. Nope. <laughs> not that yeah. one. <laughs> come on, guys. Come on. You can do it. Come on. Oh, I was watching uh, Notorious this season. Me and Amanda really liked that one. No, 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 Notorious. Yeah, that one. It was fun. It was fun. And I really like Piper Parabo. I really liked her on Covert Affairs, and I like her as much. Wait, what happened? what happened to Richard? Was that canceled? Yeah, it was canceled. Uh, all of it's on uh, on Amazon Prime. All right, mm-hmm. I, have get, I have to get all my Prime I don't think I ever saw the last season of that show. And I haven't seen the last couple seasons of Justified after they took it off Hulu. Oh, yeah. I finally started watching Sense8. Oh, yeah. Is that good? Yeah, it's pretty good. It reminds me of when Heroes was good. Like Heroes Season 1? Yeah, it's a, it's by the Wachowskis, and what what's so fascinating about it is that it's it's filmed all over the world. Like they don't just say that they're in locations. Like when they say that they're in India, they've actually filmed it in India. They filmed this in India. They filmed it in Korea. They filmed it in San Francisco. I'm pretty sure there's a couple of other segments in the U.S. itself. Uh, Chicago is definitely one of the cities, but but yeah, it, it's it's a very it, it's it's got a lot more mystery going to it than than Heroes did because I mean Heroes was you know more superpowers and this is not really that. Although there are moments where th- there are eight characters that are connected, and there are moments when one of the eight characters will step in, as it were, into the into the 
body of one of the other characters to help them out when when they need to. Um, and, and it's really fascinating to me so far. Like I, I've only watched the first three episodes, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where the rest of it goes. I know that people weren't exactly thrilled about the Christmas episode that came out recently, um, but I know that uh, the new season starts up, I think, in March, if I remember correctly. So hopefully that'll actually be better than the like one episode special that they put out. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to watching the rest. Debating whether to finish um, Marco Polo or Jumping in Narcos. I still have not finished season one of Marco Polo, which probably tells me I shouldn't bother. Watch The Crown instead. Well, well, Narcos is supposed to be here. pretty good. Although with The Crown, I've heard good things about Matt Smith being a bitch. I've seen the first five minutes. It's pretty glorious. Oh, yeah? So, yes, Chrissy is all get out. Yeah, I actually got to see a bunch of the costumes for The Crown on display when I was in London uh, a, a year ago. Mm. And actually, wait, no, now it's 2017, so wait, that's actually two years ago now. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, any uh, other comic stuff you guys want to bring up? Like any any news or announcements that happened in 2016 that really had you hyped? Or perhaps the reverse of hyped? Unhyped? Dehyped? Mishyped? Civil War Two. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is purely a movie grab, which just devolved into, like... It didn't even feel like a war. I think it was was typical Bendis because he he plotted out seven issues, made it eight, and then the fighting didn't actually start until, like, six. Like, fucking Black Goliath died in issue four of the original. They were battling in, like, issue two or three. You know what I mean? Like, that shit started. I mean, it's Mark Miller versus Bendis. Right, so Mark Miller knows how to start a story. Bendis just knows how to tell the middle of a story, but doesn't know how to end it or start it. I feel like. And why would you? And I mean, mind you, I haven't read it yet. I know a bunch of it is on Unlimited now, so I'm going to start reading it soon. But why would you commit character assassination like this on Captain Marvel so close to her being introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? It just make, doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. It just makes her into like a giant frigid bitch. Like she's entirely unlikable. And the thing is written so clearly, kind of like how Mark Miller wrote Civil War 1, it was more like from Cap's right, and this, the whole thing's written from Tony's right. And it's like, it's like the Warcraft movie saying, oh, when you watch the movie, you're not going to know who to root for. Well, the whole movie's written around the humans, so you're rooting for the humans the whole damn time. Yeah, Alliance does. Alliance does. Yeah, and I mean, didn't everybody see the reveal coming that, ooh, it's not actually the future, it's just a possible future, because the future isn't written in stone, woo! I mean, come on, who did not see that coming? Yeah. It's like, come on, Marvel, I already watched Minority Report, I know how this goes. But no, but they, 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 they said that in issue number one, they said, you know, this possibly couldn't be the future, you know, they, they, they even said, like, you know, even Tony said, like, I'm a futurist, and this is just a shade of what happens. We're, we're, we're making our own future for the most part. Can I tell you the dumbest way- thing that happened in issue eight? Yeah, go ahead. I don't think it's going to ruin the thing. It doesn't tell you who wins or who loses, even though it's pretty obvious. But that Ulysses kid, they don't fix or solve the problem with him at all. He devolves, or not devolves, he evolves into like a being on the level of eternity. In the Marvel Universe. Really? And like Eternity comes in and is like, you are one of us now, come with us. And then he all but disappears from the entire Marvel Universe. And it's like, what happened to that kid? They're like, he disappeared. He's beyond us now. And it's like, what the, why introduce this character for eight issues and you're not going to do anything with him at all? Uh, That's just saying, you know, I'm taking my ball and going home also too. That's what he just did right there. 
literally just said, you know, screw you guys. He's my special. He's my special stuff. Like I'm taking with me. I mean, like Eternity. They were doing some interesting stuff with him in and Galactus in Al Ewing's Ultimate series this year, which was pretty interesting. One of the better Marvel books I, I was reading. Um, I haven't started the Ultimates 2 volume he started. But th- those characters are, like, they're hard to write with because they're so big in the Marvel Universe. So you just made this character, like, basically you just made him unwritable for everybody else. Yeah, and the way that this is being written and the way that this is being executed, this feels like one of those crossovers from the 90s that was mostly written by editorial. Like, you can tell when a writer's heart is not entirely in what he is writing, and you feel that with what Brian Michael Bendis is putting out for Civil War 2. I've only read a little bit of it so far. I've only read like like one and a half issues of it. So yeah, I know I haven't read all of it, but this is what I'm going with from what everybody else has told me. And from what I know, from when Brian Michael Bendis is enjoying something, like as a perfect example, the new Jessica Jones series, you can tell that Brian Michael Bendis's heart is entirely in that because he's writing a character that he loves and he's in basically continuing her story past where he left off with it. You know, it's something that he is passionate about, that he really wants to be doing. And Civil War II is a writing job because, yeah, writers have to take jobs. They don't always get to take projects. This, to him, is a job. This is something that he's doing because he has a contract with Marvel and he has to do it, not because he wants to. And the quality of the product suffers when you do shit like that. Yeah. Go look at Powers. You know, read Powers, uh, the first one of Powers. It's enjoyable. Like, his stuff now, it just is... Yeah, but see, that's the thing, though. Like, today, he's still doing stuff that he enjoys. I mean, again, I already brought up Jessica Jones, but his Miles Morales Spider-Man stuff, it's it's, it's freaking night and day from what he did here with Civil War Two. I mean, I'm actually really liking it. Yeah, it's good. I think the, the problem with this one is, like, it should really be called Uncivil Conflict 1, not Civil War 2, because <laughs> there is only one battle of multiple heroes and that um, other than the battle at the very end of like seven, eight between Carol and Iron Man, that's not a spoiler. That's really the only two things that go on. Everything else is like a disagreement or something else or a conversation. And it's like, you're not, Civil War was a war. And the other thing too, like that I hated about this crossover is like some of the tie-in books didn't even tie in at all. Whereas like Wolverine hunting down Nitro one of the greatest tie-in storylines I've ever read. Amazing uh, Spider-Man disagree. with JMS, one of the greatest tie-in storylines I've ever read. Like, when I think of Civil War, I think of those two tie-in storylines as well as, like, required reading. Yeah, well, as a counterpoint, when I think of Civil War, I think of Civil War Frontline and Captain America being asked if he's ever even heard of MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm talking about the good stuff, you know. I, know. I don't, didn't even want to bring up Penance. Didn't even want to bring up wait, Penance. Wait, 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 because this is an old school episode of Comic Timing. Penance. Penance. Oh, God. I'm being pricked on all sides. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they should have just called him Iron Maiden because that's essentially what he was. But now we have a character named Iron Maiden, don't we? God. No, that she's still going to be Iron Man. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Or Iron Woman. I don't know. Iron Heart? Iron Heart. But her book is called Iron Man. Yeah. Because sales, basically. Right. Yes, of course. And Doom's book is still called Iron Man because sales. Oh, and I, and I do need to mention at least one positive moment of 2016 
2016, the year of Tom King. Uh. Oh my God! I mean, I mean, you want to talk about Marvel having a so-so year? This is the highlight of Marvel's 2016. The Vision is bar none one of the best comic books I've read in at least the last ten years, if not more than that. I mean, the the body horror that goes on in this, the the moral ambiguity that goes on in this. The art is stellar and 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 frightening and and horrifying at times and jaw-dropping while all at the same time still being emotional and grounded. What Tom King crafts character-wise, The Vision has never really been a character that I've been able to give too much of a shit about and he gives him a family, he gives him a moral compass, he gives him growth while building upon his past, all at the same time, he's forced to make some horrible decisions along the way because he makes some really shitty decisions, which lead to these horrible decisions. And I, I mean, I mean, really, like the uh, the entire the entire cast just shines in this. The family gets fleshed out, both the daughter, the son. The, the 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 mother character even the dog and oh my god the way they got the dog was horrifying and plus you get uh, you you get Victor from Runaways showing up at one point during the series and it the the best thing about it is that it is twelve solid issues that's it it just tells a story over two volumes that has a, a beginning a middle and an end that just works just as well. I mean, it's the same way that I was talking about how Rogue One has a beginning, a middle, and an end. The Vision has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it didn't need any more than that, really. It's just, he, he got to tell the exact story that he wanted to tell, and because he left for DC, he had to end it at issue 12. But I, he, he definitely knew that going into it, you could tell. Like, he, there was no rushing going on with this series. And, and I really want them to put out a deluxe hardcover, because I would buy the hell out of a deluxe hardcover of the vision. It would go right on my shelf and I'd lend it to every single person that I know because this is Marvel's Watchmen for me. I'm just going to say that. This is Marvel's Watchmen. It is unlike any other comic that Marvel has had on the stands possibly since I've been reading. Maybe maybe, maybe not to go that far, but it, it, like I said, at least in the last 10 years. It deserves every bit of praise that it has gotten Tom King deserves every single bit of praise that he has gotten. I mean, Gabriel Hernandez Walta does a stunning job on the art. And, and the covers for this, too, are just gripping in an entirely different way. Uh, yeah, it just I, I, I can't give it enough praise. And good for Tom King also for picking up Batman this year and, uh, and, a, and a bunch of other work. Yeah, this, this was by far the year of Tom King and certainly the year of the vision. I haven't read it. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you need to get it, and you need to read it. Period. 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 Uh, when I get time, there's a, a bunch of books on my two-buy list for my trades. Wait, is, is it, it's, just, it's just a maxi-series? Yep. Uh, like I said, it's just it's just the two volumes. It's just uh, 12 issues. It's 12, definitely a 12-issue maxi-series. I mean, it might not have been planned that way at the start, but that's what it turned out to be in the end. Do they settle the argument, is Vision pink or is he red? Uh, he is a little bit of both, I think. Because I know in that book, he's like, they're all pink colored. And then in Avengers books, he's like red. And then the movies, I don't even know what color that color, that is. Magenta in the movies. Magenta. Yeah, the coloring definitely goes for a pinkish red 
it's not quite pink and it's not quite red, so somewhere smack dab in the middle. Fleshy color. So yeah, you're not going to get your fully red vision. Sorry, Brent. He's not Moon Knight, Brent, okay? Oh, Moon Knight was one of the better books Marvel's putting out this year. With uh, Jeff Lemire. Ah, good to hear, actually. I came really close to buying that uh, when Comixology had their sale uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's so good. What a mind fuck. Like, seriously, the first arc's really good. I don't know where it's going, but... So basically, all his personalities are at war with himself in the second arc. So one of them is the movie star, and that's drawn by a different artist. One of them is like a space ranger against flying werewolves and spaceships. That's drawn by a different artist. The other one is a taxi cab driver, and that's drawn by Francesco Francavilla. And then there are some pages where all those guys are on one page. It's like Image United if they had actually finished it, but in Moon Knight's head. Yeah, no, I'll definitely have to check that out. I actually wound up getting Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Volume 1 in that uh, big sale, but uh, didn't wind up pulling the trigger on Moon Knight, and now I wish I did. Ooh. But yeah, you can get the trade for, I think, 12 bucks or thereabouts, so maybe next time I do a big order from in-stock trades, I'll just add that to my list and get volume one of that and hopefully like it as much as you did. I mean, Marvel Unlimited should be coming out soon, probably. That's true, that's true. Anybody reading Black Widow? I've heard positive things about that, and that's Wade Insomni, so it's bound to be good. No. The last, the I haven't read that one, but one before with Phil Noto on art. Was it Nathan Edmondson? Whether that was really good. I think he was writing The Punisher as well. And I like that run of Punisher too. Yeah, that and I know I need to catch up on uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' Black Panther, even if it is a wordy bitch to read. I still want to catch up on it. It's just super, super dense. And it doesn't, like, I'm, I've, I tried reading the first couple. Asked, like, I read the first arc. But the problem is, like, obviously it's not an arc. It's a... Like, this is one long thing, but they're dividing it up into arcs with artists and stuff. But, like, even even if there's one long thing, other writers have managed to do, like, a little mini resolution here in between. But that first arc, I challenge you to tell me what the, the central conflict is, because I'm confused. Because there's, like, three different baddies in it, and there's a thing going on with uh, T'Challa and his sister, and, like, you know, the Dora Milaje, or, there's two of them that are doing something else. It's... It's hella confusing, and it doesn't it doesn't get any better so far, at least for me. Fair enough. Have you read the priest book yet, or no? No, I have. I have the first digital collection, like the first, I don't know, twelve or thirteen issues, the omnibus on my mm-hmm. iPad from Comicsology, but I haven't cracked it yet. Yeah, if you think that, if you think the the book that you're reading now is confusing, wait till you read the priest stuff. Ugh. There are subplots upon subplots upon subplots, and it just. I, I, Wait a minute, you missed a subplot. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, upon subplots, right. What, there's four main plots in the book right now? In that one? Yeah, so... Like, I can I handle think. dense. I mean, Watchmen is pretty dense, but at least Alan Moore structures each issue to where, like, there's, you know, a, ri- a conflict, a rising conflict and a resolution as, as, as well as propels, like, the main thing forward. You know, there are little mini-stories within the big story, and, like, Black Panther hasn't... Ta-Nehisi Coates hasn't figured out how to do that yet. Hmm. One thing that came in just under the wire here in 2016 that I definitely wanted to mention, Justice League Action. I have not watched it yet. It is so much fun. Like, it, it's... One thing that it has going for it is that it's definitely more sophisticated than Batman Brave and the Bold. Like, I, I was never really... I was never really that into Brave and the Bold. I mean, it was very hit or miss with me. A, a little too kitty for my taste, but... I feel like this one manages to strike a very good balance between 
things that are obviously there for the adults to catch and things that are there for the kids. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely the right balance that you should be trying to strike with a show like this. Uh, the first uh, four episodes uh, aired on a block on Cartoon Network, um, like a 45-minute block, and it involved the monsters from the Rock of Shazam escaping out into the wild. <laughs> the seven million times? Okay, cool. Yeah, and this show had me by who they got to play the Wizard Shazam. Who they get? Okay, well... They got Carl Reiner. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Carl Reiner as the Wizard Shazam and Sean Astin as Billy Batson. Oh, uh, uh, nice. Refreezing's role. Cool. Is it, is, it done by, is it done by Andrea Romano or? Nah, I don't see her name on the credits this time around. And right. Heath Corson is a writer on the show also, too. But yeah, even without Andrea Romano, the voice cast on this is freaking fantastic. I mean, you've got Kevin Conroy reprising his role as Batman. You've got Diedrich Bader in there as Booster Gold. But yeah, you got Troy Baker as Hawkman. You got James Woods as Lex Luthor. You've got Crispin Freeman as Martian Manhunter. Mark Hamill as Swamp Thing. John DiMaggio as Lobo. Gilbert Gottfried reprising his role as Mixius Pitilek. <laughs> Lacey Chabert as Zatanna, Ken Jong as Toy Man. The list goes on and on. And they even have Patton Oswalt playing Space Cabbie. Love it. So yeah, definitely give it a watch. Uh, it should still be available on demand on uh, Cartoon Network's uh, apps or probably on cable networks. But you know, I'm sure you could probably also get the episodes piecemeal on Amazon or iTunes or things like that. Um, I, I know it's been airing overseas for a while now, so you probably could also wind up going to nefarious means to get these episodes. But, you know, I, I, I don't recommend doing that, but you can still do it if you really want to. Uh, and uh, it's been airing here since December. And most importantly, this first season has 52 episodes because 52 uh, <laughs> voice directed by uh, Wes Gleason. Yeah, there you go. Wes Gleason. That's what the IMDb gods tell me as well. Apparently, he's, he's, kill, he's killing it though with the cast, though, which is amazing. Yes, he most definitely is. All right, is there anything else in 2016 you guys want to bring up before we move on to what we're looking forward to in 2017? Mm-mm. Okay, then. What are we looking forward to in the new year, gentlemen? What pops out to you? Redemption of the DCEU. Ha-ha! <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. We have Wonder Woman, which look, looks promising. It does. I will agree with that. The Justice League trailer is a little hit and miss, but I'm I'm hoping Nope. I'm hoping for that. Big nope. I'm still holding out hope. Nobody, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I, I mean I'm I'm no joke here. Um, unless there's cheesesteaks to be promised this time around, I may not even see it. I was gonna say, how do how do we how do we get you and Brandon to watch that one? <laughs> this time maybe Brandon can come here and we can have Nathan's or Juniors or something. New Yorky. I mean, Ezra Miller hopefully is gonna be the convincing thing for that movie. Like, I feel like the more Ezra Miller, if he's that way in the whole movie they show, the better it will be. You know, I've rewatched that trailer a couple times, and it's it's less and less funny to me every single time. And it does give me the feel that these could very well be the only jokes in the entire movie. It, it's possible. You mean when they brought every media writer up to the uh, set to show them, oh, we're making a funny Justice League movie, and then they they only, they only showed them that two or only two scenes, and then put them in the trailer right away. Right. I mean, look, just just do me a favor, DC. Surprise me. 
give me a damn good movie, even though it has the words Zack and Snyder on the director chair. Because Wonder Woman I have hopes for because Zack Snyder's not as involved and he's not directing. But then I also had hopes for Suicide Squad and then I received the drech that we did. Well, I think Suicide Squad, again, was the um, film by committee, so that's why. Right, that's true. And uh, it does look like we have a lot less of that going on with Wonder Woman and hopefully Justice League. I'm hoping that... Again, like I think I said this on this show before about Jeff Johns. Like I don't know whether to believe in him behind the films or the characters or not. When he's when he was writing Green Lantern, he was really good up until pretty much the end. There was kind of where he followed fall off. I haven't read his whole Flash run, but like his Green Lantern stuff's phenomenal. His action comics run was pretty phenomenal. His I'm mean, still even enjoying the Batman Earth One stuff. Pretty damn good, interesting take. He just has to prove himself on these films yet by resting control or something or being the Kevin Feige and driving it towards something. Yeah, and speaking of Jeff Johns, there is information that came out that I am really looking forward to. Yep, you got it. Yeah, no, that there was information that came out uh, right as the New Year hit, I think on January 1st, that Jeff Johns is going to be returning to comics in 2017, that although he has all this movie stuff on his plate— DC is going to tap him once again to return to, in my opinion, what he does best, writing comic books. And I I think that uh, we're probably going to wind up getting more about the Watchmen stuff from Jeff Johns as this goes forward. Because again, he wrote the Rebirth special, and that got my interest back in DC Comics right then and there. It was one solid return to form for Mr. Johns, and... Hopefully 2017 will continue that trend. Yeah, I think it's the thing I'm looking forward to the most right now is Injustice 2, the video yeah. game. Nice. Oh, God. Which yeah. I think Brandon was going there before I interrupted him. No? Yeah, yeah I was. Oh, my God, yes. From, just from that Peter Turner trailer alone. And then some, some of the uh, gameplay footage. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yes. Hey, hey, guys. Speaking of video games where superheroes fight other superheroes, you know what game I'm looking forward to? Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite! Um, no X-Men. Um, not official yet. Not official yet, but still... Yeah, and I mean, there have been reports coming in that the X-Men and the Fantastic Four might wind up coming in as DLC, even if they're not in the initial roster. And you know what? I'm perfectly okay with that, because th- think of how many Marvel characters haven't been in a Marvel vs. Capcom game yet. You know, change up the roster a little bit. Yeah, change up the characters a little bit, and I will be just fine. Just as long as you give me a good game, I will be a happy man. Give me Phoenix Wright again, I'll be happy. And if you give me Kamala Khan as a playable character, then uh, yes, please, do that. And you don't need Mr. Fantastic. Exactly, you don't need Mr. Fantastic, and you don't need Super Scroll if you have Kamala Khan. I feel like that's the entire reason she was invented. We need a new stretchy character. Yeah, you would say that, Mr. I don't read her book. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and and I am looking forward to the X-Men actually being a thing again, you know, with the whole back up in your ass with the resurrection that Marvel Comics is doing, bringing the X-Men back to prominence in their comics, because honestly, it's about damn time. I mean, come on, we're going to get X-Men Blue, X-Men Gold, 
and Generation X again. Uh, who's, in the, who's in that book? That's uh, who else? Yeah, let me go ahead and pull that full roster up on my fancy schmancy new computer. But uh, while I do that, actually, one of the other things that I wanted to bring up that I'm looking forward to in 2017 is actually the Logan movie. Because every single trailer I've seen for that looks better than the last one. I mean, and this feels like a great way to close out Hugh Jackman's time as the character of Wolverine. I mean, whether or not they decide to reboot it after this or whether they decide to go like the X-23 route, it makes sense to, to go full circle with Logan. Like, like we started off with him first joining the X-Men, and now here we are in the world that is very reminiscent to Old Man Logan. I mean, obviously it can't be the full Old Man Logan movie because they don't have access to any of the like Marvel Cinematic Universe characters that are in that, like Spider-Man and Hawkeye and Hulk and stuff like that. But it's very much a... Wolverine the End or Old Man Logan-esque story that we're getting here to close out that character, and it looks grounded, it looks mature, and I feel like it took them this long for Fox to really grasp the character of Wolverine in all the right ways. So yeah, really looking forward to seeing Logan when it comes out soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hopefully it can redeem Apocalypse. That was kind of a letdown. Yeah, certainly agree on that one. All right, so I'm, I'm looking at the cover here for that Generation X series, and I'm still looking for the roster because they're not making that easy. So I'm guessing by the past X-Men still around, they're never going to do a rebirth thing where they bring everybody back because they're dead? Yeah, I guess not. I mean, they, they certainly don't seem to be going that way, so it, I would probably say that's not in the cards. I just hope they can find a writer that can actually explain how them being in the future and altering themselves doesn't alter the past yet. Because they never really like wrote, figured that or ex- tried to explain it at all. I believe their official explanation for that is uh, please don't ask us because we don't know either. All right, here's the official lineup for that Generation X team. It's uh, Bling, iBoy, Quentin Choir, Nature Girl, and Benjamin Deeds, plus a new character named Nathaniel Carver. And obviously Jubilee is the head of that team. And uh, they say that uh, some of the Generation X characters of old like a chamber are going to be showing up as the series goes forward. But uh, they definitely seem to be doing uh, a combination of like new X-Men Academy and Wolverine in the X-Men. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. So characters no one knows, which means it'll be around for eight months from books that were actually pretty good. So maybe it'll be around longer than eight months. Yeah. Oh, and uh, guardians of the galaxy two and Spider-Man homecoming. Can't forget those. Not ready for Thor this year? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's this year? Haven't seen anything from it. Yeah, I That's think so. Well, apparently Doctor Strange is going to be in it. Spoilers for the end scene of Doctor Strange, but it's been out a while, so, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, apparently. For a brief moment. That's the fall. I think that's the fall movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the November movie. I heard the uh, first 15 minutes because it's Take away TV are going to be like just complete silence of Hulk going off in the space and then, you know, seeing Thor and punching him. That'd be just, if that happens, that'd be just great. <laughs> that'd be fun. I'd be down for that. It looks to be like, it, this looks to be like the weirdest Marvel movie of all time, second to Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Oh, do you guys think that there's any more DC TV coming in 2017? Because they've been hinting at that. Yes, uh, they're doing Black Lightning, I think. And no. Yeah. When? Yeah. Where was that announced? It hasn't been announced. There was a pilot script written up for a show uh, that I believe is going to be 
potentially airing on Fox. Jeff Johns was definitely hinting at that. I know he was hinting, but I never saw anything that was linking Black Lightning to that. Right. Uh, I'm not sure. About, I'm not sure CW wise, though. But I know we're going to get Krypton next, this year. Also, do. Do we have Hooray. to? Do Ugh. we really have to? Hooray! Hey, who's yeah. looking forward to Powerless? <gasps> you know, now that they retooled it, Abed. I don't even care that Danny Pudi is in it. I'm probably not going to watch it. Isn't Alan Tudyk uh, in that too? He's their jerk boss, Jeff. I'm going to be in Powerless. The producers told me I had to. He's <laughs> in my Rogue One contract somehow. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which makes but, no sense at all. But but that's Warner. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Probably just Alan Tudyk's karma. Career goes up, career goes down. Career goes up, career goes down. All he wants is a show like Castle, like his buddy. Seven years, syndication money, done. Thanks for Homer Simpsoning his career, by the way. Career goes up, career goes down. Career goes up, career goes down. Oh, don't get it. Or that was an Elroy Jetson reference also, too. Yeah, that's true. Remember this show called The Simpsons, Brent? It's been on since the beginning of time. Never watched it. Never watched it. Wow. Just wow. What? I wasn't allowed when I was a kid, and by the time I was old enough to watch it, I wasn't interested in watching it. I love that you are just younger enough that you weren't able to watch The Simpsons as a kid. Yeah. Because it's so weird to me. <sighs> they they did not, my parents did not like the way that Bart talked back to his parents. Don't have a cow, man. And that was the basis of it. Yep, pretty yeah, much. Don't have a cow. Eat my shorts. Indeed. All right. Anything else you guys looking forward to, or is that that? I think we're good. Okay. Great. And now I'll run down a list of questions that I'll make you guys have to fill in the blanks for. Oh no. Uh, is it a test? Oh no. I'm just study. <laughs> yeah, and uh, make sure to bring your Scantron back up to the front when you're done. Make sure to use a number two pencil. Do I still get 800 points for putting my name in right? Uh, no, they stopped doing that. If you get Donald Trump to tweet about it, you get full credit. Anyway, uh, we are done, and uh, now that we mentioned the orange guy, we are definitely done. Uh, orange labor? Yeah, exactly. Brent, uh, you finally did your Warcraft review, huh? I did. It is out. Also out is the best video games of 2016. Mm-hmm. And you really, really like Warcraft, right? It was one of the best movies you saw all year, right? <laughs> no, it was not. No way. Yeah, I mean, it had some good moments to it, but overall, it had issues. It was not made for newbies, that's for sure. Yes, definitely. All of that, that's what I say. Yep. And Brandon, do you have any new episodes of your show? Uh, We have one in the pipeline. We're recording one on Sunday. Uh, So we're talking Rogue One on Sunday. Cool. So uh, we're going to do our our all spoiler review review filled show and maybe got an idea for another show to work on taking advantage of this whole tabletop craze maybe podcasting a audio drama based on our D&D or uh, Dragon Age game. Okay, uh, fair enough. And here I've been recording all my D&D sessions for the past couple of months myself. Gotta make that crit, gotta make that crit roll money, man. That crit roll money. Yep, yep. Give everybody the address to your podcast. The current one, not the one that it's theoretical. Alright, so you guys, you can find me on I tuned at uh, Pop Culture Clash, P O P C U L T R E Clash. Uh, also, uh, popcultureclash.tumblr.com. You can get me at the Dabba Don, and my co host is at 
a.baron all over all social medias. He's going to continue to do that every time, Brent, just to make me look like a schmuck for not giving out your information on Comic Geek Speak. Uh, you schmuck, you should do it the first time. <laughs> and Casina is at Casina B. See, I know how to do it on our show. Oh, yeah. Ooh, Ooh living large. All right, and that is that. I will say that uh, comic timing is not going anywhere in the year of 2017. We will continue to try and put out at least one episode a month throughout the rest of this year. We know January was a little bit bare there, and there was still a little bit of a warning curve in uh, 2016 as uh, I got used to the new space and everything. But, uh, yeah, no, we're going to continue to be around, so expect plenty more from that. And it's nice to see that BK's Bullets is back as well. Now that uh, Jim and Brent have been recording a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. You still getting those DC boxes? I forget. Yes, I should have one coming in January. Well, good to hear. Good to hear. Make sure to put those uh, videos up on the uh, Comic Timing Facebook feed and all that stuff, because I was enjoying those. I will I will work on... Uh, I'm actually thinking and working about some, some YouTube endeavors. Very nice. Now that Mandy has this fancy camera and backdrops. Okay. So. That works with me. All right, and uh, as a reminder, we're sponsored by DCBS at Discount Combo Service at DCBService.com, where you can go to for all your 50% off of Marvel DC hardcovers and trades, and Marvel DC Image and Dark Horse, you can get 40% off of those single issues, and um, make sure to use their bundles as well to save an extra amount of cash on all of your purchases. Discount Combo Service at DCBService.com. The email address for Comic Timing remains comictiming at gmail.com. You can find us over at facebook.com slash comictiming for all of the conversation about this and other topics and discussion points. Uh, we're probably the Comics Podcast Network over at comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over comicbooknoise.com slash league. And uh, why not send us an iTunes review on iTunes? Come on, it's a new year, so you might as well maybe fuck the trend and Give us our first new one in quite possibly two or three years. But I know you guys are listening, so just just go ahead and let us know what you think, all right? All right? Fine. Well, for Chris Chavez, Raf Suhu, Brandon Christopher, and Mr. Casina, I'm Ian Levison reminding everybody out there that there's always time for comics, even in the new year. a new rule that in 2017 we don't allow guests with crappy internet so 
That means Brandon and Raph have to get their shit together, or at least pay for their part of the internet that makes it good. This was the first shit internet you had in a while, Brandon. I know. I yeah, but usually that. before it's like the mic, or the Wi-Fi card, or, you know, Brandon continues to add problems. Oh, excuse me, Mr. My Mic Won't Work? How many fucking times we have to work with that with you? <laughs> it's like, what, twice this year? <laughs>